The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book <clears throat> Chronicles. I am your host, Rydicat. Uh, and you can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Notes Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Columbia down the way. And the sound effects that you heard come from none other than, there we go, uh, our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Excuse me, live uh, live viewing folks while I, while I fix something really, really quickly. I was about to say, if I'm coming in hot, I just have to uh, make a small change. No, it's not you. It's the, um, your, your, your video wasn't coming in for a second. Oh, okay. Uh, but now we've got it fixed. It's cool. Uh, this is the Combo Chronicles, and you, find the Combo Cro- you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find us in your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coles of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. You could also find us recording live every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's uh, youtube.com slash The Click Nation. Or, uh, and, or, excuse me, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and hit the notification button so that you know when we are on. Yeah. Smash that like button. Um, but yes, folks, we are here tonight for another, uh, romp through the comic book world. We're going to start off with, actually... Yeah, there's a lot to talk about this week, folks, so there, bear with us. We're going to do you. our best to uh, keep it moving tonight. We Exactly. Um, we're going to start off with the recap of Book of Boba Fett, Star Wars Book, Book of Boba Fett, Episode 4. So spoilers are incoming, so uh, if, you're not, uh, if you're not willing to be spoiled on Episode 4 of the Book of Boba Fett, please uh, fast forward from this point on, or at least from the point of the spoiler bell in three, two, one, hit it. I need to get uh, a, a drop of uh, slick Rick yelling out, hit it <laughs> on, on the show. 
that can very much be arranged. <laughs> of course, of course. I got to make a note of that. I got to jot that down. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, so the Book of Boba Fett episode four, aka uh, the Gathering Storm, is the name of the episode, um, and we basically start off with back to uh, back to Tank Boba, which probably should be a figure. I don't know, maybe not. But um, we see Boba in the fight uh, in, in the back to Tank. We flash back to him uh, in the past again um, on his uh, Bantha. Riding through the, the Tatooine seas, the, the Dune Sea, and he's uh, rolling up on Jabba's palace, uh, which, which uh, at this point is in the hands of uh, Bib Fortuna. So he's kind of uh, casing the joint because he's going in there for some reason that we don't know about just yet. But um, he pretty much talks to his Banthas like, "Well, no, too many guards. We can't go in yet. Let's let's roll." Um, and then we see him at night um, around a campfire uh, uh, eating some food, giving his band the, some, some food, and he's, we see a flare pop off in the distance. And uh, I did not catch this, but apparently the, 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 um, uh, the music from The Mandalorian uh, chimes in at this point, but this is pretty much where it picks up uh, from The Mandalorian episode where... Um, uh, Din Djarin is um, going after Fennec Shand. Shand. Uh, so I guess spoiler alert for that because we'll get to that in a second. So um, uh, Bova goes off to see what that flare was and he comes across Fennec who's been shot as at the, at the end of that um, episode. Uh, not by Din Djarin. Uh, we should point out if you hadn't seen it. Right. Um... And then he picks her up, takes her off. We saw that. We kind of said we saw the footsteps coming, going towards and pick him up and taking her off. And that was where the show ended. Then I do remember that part. So he takes her off to uh, to try to, to save her, and he goes to this mod bar. You know, the same mod that, that gives uh, people cybernetics, like we've seen uh, a few different times. Uh, and I didn't pick up on this either, but there was some strangely not necessarily Star Wars type music being played. In this, uh, at this, um, at this point in time, when he goes into his, and uh, we see him go in, put Finnick on the table, and basically tells the uh, the mod doc that um, uh, she needs help. Um, who was kind of resident at first until he plunked down some some credits, and then he turns around and is like, "Well, you should have led with that." We come to find out that that's nothing other than Thundercat, which and not Lionel exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, is- wait a second. I, you know what? Honestly, I, I, I heard rumblings that there was a musical artist named Thundercat, mm-hmm. and we'd heard, you know, I've always heard that as a, as kind of like as a passing reference for like younger, younger kids and and whatnot. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you think you're a Thundercat now or something, something along those lines. But I did not know that there was in fact a musical artist that was that went by this particular name. Right. So it's an, an electronic music artist. Uh, he's a well. He's a producer. He's a well producer singer. Like he's worked with like um like um Kenny Loggins and and Michael McDonald. Michael Mc, um Michael McDonald. <laughs> yeah. So he's worked with some folks. Um, oh, he's an American bassist. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's a bass. I had no idea. I had no idea. I'll tell you that much. So yeah, so a lot of people might know him from his song. Well, probably didn't know him from his 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 uh his production work and his uh his you know his his solo work. But his his song Thundercat Durag, I mean uh, Dragon Ball Durag is um is um is is a hit. You should you should take a listen to it. You you might like it. Um, but yeah, so and actually that just reminds me of a possible um title for this here episode. But we'll get into that later. So yeah, Thundercats the the, the my doc and um like I was like at the time I was like, wait a minute, I knew this first this dude looks familiar because of cause, you know, cause of the braids and whatnot. I was like, but I couldn't place him. And then it wasn't until like the credits rolled and I was like, Oh fuck, that was Thundercat. So but anyway, um so we we cut through a scene where um, uh, Thundercat's fixing up Fennec Shan, and get to the end where you, where Boba's like, "Well, you're gonna, you're not gonna close her up," and he was like, "And um, and cover up all this beautiful tech, you know, <laughs> or all beautiful machinery," as it says. So he does it, and which is why we see later on in the, uh, when we see in the Mandalorian, you know, she kind of covers it up. Um, so she uh, we cut to uh, back in the desert. Uh, Fennec wakes up. Um, she wonders where she is. Boba tells her tells um tells her who he is because she asks. Um, and she's thinking she's getting taken in, but uh, you know, as we know, Boba's not trying to do that. Uh, he wants uh Fennec's help to help um to help recover his ship. Um. And then I think this is when they go uh, and um, scope out uh, Jabba's palace again, you know, and with some help with Finnick, kind of scope the place out using some tech that she had with her. Um, I believe this is also when they finally get into doing the plan. We find out the first um, the first utterance of the new name for uh, the the ship formerly known as Slave One, which is mm-hmm. now called the, the Fire Spray. Because as they were going in to uh, retrieve his ship, you know, he, he mentions it. Well, I think uh, before he mentions it, actually. I mean, before they go in there, he mentions it. Yeah. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is I think when, when uh, uh, at some point, you know, just before they go in there, he mentions it. So you, I think you hear it twice? I That might be true. I can't remember. but I, did, I, did, I can't I remember. I honestly can't remember. I actually did watch this when it came out. Yeah. Uh, you know, yet in our time yesterday. So, um, but you know, in any event, it did it did uh, jump out at me when he mentioned the fire spray because I know we've talked about it in the news. Right. So it was uh, wasn't a surprise, but it definitely uh, le- uh, leapt out at me when I heard it. I'm kind of glad because I know I was watching an Easter egg video on this, and it was like, you know what? It would have been better if they had made some if he had pro- mentioned it in some grand fashion. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm still like, no, that's fine. Just just let it roll the way it is, because that that didn't need to to do anything else for it. Like, no, that's what it is, and you know, because <laughs> all right, it feels forced because it feels forced when they kind of do like, oh, well, I, you know, I named my fire spray this because of da 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 da, da you know, just try to try, try to justify the the new name for it or whatever the case may be, and they don't know. Yeah, that. yeah, well, oh. I was about to say that's that's way more meta than we probably need. Exactly, but um, I think you were going to go on. I was going to say that before they went in, um, the uh, uh, Boba let his bantha bantha go off and find other banthas and have baby banthas and all that kind of good mess because he didn't need it anymore. Right, 
right, so let me jump in and uh, handle this section of the episode. So uh, now we have a heist because Boba Fett needs his ship, as we just mentioned. And that ship happens to be in storage, really in storage. It's not in like an active uh, hangar. It's definitely in storage uh, at Jabba's palace or Bib Fortuna's palace. And at this point in the flashback, uh, Fennec has a little scout, uh, uh, a little scout droid that's in the shape of an orb that she stores in the butt of her rifle that basically uh, flies out into Jabba's palace and does some scouting for uh, Fennec and Boba. And at uh, just before going in, Boba sends away his Bantha that he'd been riding around to, uh, you know, to uh, Mos Espa and, uh, you know, had been basically their mode of transportation at this point. And he basically says, uh, go make little Banthas, which is funny. Yeah, which is what I just said. So, um... so Fennec, you know, Fennec at this point uh, says, uh, you know, that might be a little early. And Boba says, well, either I get it or I die. Right. Uh he also tells Fennec at this point, and always bear in mind that this in this part of the flashback, this is before they're able to track down Boba Fett's armor, before Boba Fett and Fennec Shand make their grand entrance into the Mandalorian. So um, we also get a little bit of a hint here about the change in Boba Fett's character where he says to Fennec Shand, I'm tired of working for idiots who are just going to get me killed. I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, they get, as usual, I think I've seen a joke about, I think it was in the second season, it was regarding the second season of The Mandalorian about how it's so convenient that they have 3D maps of everywhere they need to break into. Because it is Star Wars, after all. Mm. So now they have a little 3D holographic map of uh, Jabba's palace that the that the uh, the orb, the floating orb, has taken, and they realize that there are way too many guards running around Jabba's palace or Bib Fortuna's palace at this point, and that they have to sneak in and time their entrance between guard duty shifts. And when they right. get in, they they're able to break into the kitchen by going in uh, from underneath. And there is uh, a, a, a bit of a fracas that results when they break in through the kitchen. Wait, and... you, I'm sorry, before you go any further, because this is from the, uh, for the gamers out there, this is when it turns into a stealth mission. Because, it, like, even with the 3D mapping that they did and, and saying that, you know, and the way they end up getting in and trying to go through the palace, like, gamers would pretty much know, just like, yeah, it's a stealth mission. So they pretty much got a good go in there without being seen and heard, which. Adds, right. Well, it's a heist. Well, you know, it's a heist. But, yeah, it's a more of a stealthy heist, at least at this point. There's no dragging of uh, a vault at this point. Right. right. So. Ultimately, they, you know, they're, they're able to get into the kitchen, but the fracas breaks out. And um, unfortunately, what they're not able to do is get out without being undetected because their noise basically clued the kitchen droids into calling for a rat catcher droid. Mm -hmm. And it's the, uh, the rat catcher droid that comes in and... <laughs> 
and runs around and basically does, in fact, ultimately get itself turned off. But I think the guards have been alerted at this point. Right. So worth noting real real quick is that it is the rat catcher is the little bunny eared uh, droid that we've only seen up until now in the Clone Wars. Um, because, and so this is the first time in the live action. So I was like, okay, I was kind of surprised to see that. And hopefully they'll, they'll do some more with it because pretty much most of the other droids, including the sous chef are droids we've seen before. So, um, because some people were saying that's the, one of the, 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 one of the, the kitchen droids was either the same model or the same one that was talking about taking, uh, R2 to the sail barge in, in Return of the Jedi. But I don't know if that's actually true or not. But anyway, continue. So they finally make their way to the hangar where uh, the former slave one, now fire sprayer, is stored. And uh, they get into a confrontation with uh, some of the Fortuna's guards. And there is a shootout. They ultimately get onto uh, the fire spray and are able to make their escape after some really close quarters flying and some, you know, close in flying where they're basically uh, scraping up against the sides of the hangar in order to uh, free up the uh, fire spray's weapons in order to get out of there. And Fennec uses some quick thinking to disengage the lock on the hangar door so that they can get out. And ultimately, um, they're able to get out and uh blows up a gonk <laughs> droid for no reason well you know i mean it was a reason but it was just that that, yeah. that poor droid didn't didn't deserve that well it's not exactly the gonk droid is not exactly uh offensively capable so uh you know i understand where you're where where your thinking is on that Ultimately, Boba Fett says, you know, I've got some scores to settle now that they have regained Boba Fett's ship. And their first score is to track down the biker gang responsible for raiding the Tusken Raider village. He literally flies up on them from behind and shoots them all in the back. I love um, you know, it's a it's it's a pretty striking image. Um, you know, as, as, as the former slave one now fire spray swoops in and just goes zappity zap. Uh, you know, um, nailing all these uh, bikers uh, for uh, and 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 uh, getting some vengeance for the uh, the Tuscan Raider uh, clan or tribe that uh, had uh, adopted Boba Fett earlier in this series. Uh, next up, we have Boba Fett looking for his armor, and he takes. Uh, the fire spray to the Sarlacc pit that he had escaped from. Uh, and it is it doesn't exactly go according to Boba Fett's plan because he in fact wakes the pit uh, up and the Sarlacc tries to pull the fire spray into its gaping maw and luckily uh, Fennec Shand is able to figure out a way to um, drop literally drop off and 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 you'll remember this uh proximity mine from attack of the clones uh yeah and also well i guess he also uses it well yeah 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 basically yeah from attack from attack of the clones you'll remember this is the proximity mine that uh that that uh uh whatchamacallit um jango fett uses uh against uh obi-wan in Attack of the Clones, when when Obi Wan is pursuing Jango Fett, in in this very same ship, so 
uh, Fennec Shen is able to get that proximity mine to drop into the Sarlacc pit and basically blow it to kingdom come. And uh, apparently that is the end of at least this particular Sarlacc. So So hold on, stop right there. So that whole part, I was thinking like, well, we know what's about to happen here because we know good and well that thing's not was it was it dead at this point or we felt that way so i'm i was actually halfway surprised that jabba did just shoot the thing on sight <laughs> just blow the thing on sight because he knew his armor was gonna because the reason why he was looking in there because he was looking for his armor so like i just haven't said but i was like he should just blown the thing up because he knew the armor was gonna be if it was still in there it was going to be um you know it was gonna make it out of there i mean you know if he blasted the shit but it didn't so Right. Um, which, it's just it's interesting that he would think it was in the Sarlacc pit because he made thing. it out of the right. Sarlacc with his armor. But I guess he was so disoriented at the time he didn't you know he didn't think about because I, I yeah. kind of bumped on that too because I was like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he made it out of there, so why would he think it was still there? Right. You know, why would he think that the that the Sarlacc would be drawn to it because there's nothing living in the armor? Right. You know, that's really what I was thinking. Because ultimately he digs himself out of the Sarlacc, you know, parallel to the Sarlacc. And why on earth would he think that the Sarlacc would like reach out of its pit and snatch onto the armor that even though he was, you know, he woke up without it, presumably would have been laying nearby. So, you know, you know, it's a little bit of faulty logic, but hey, it's a it's a Star Wars show. And he got his revenge Uh, either way. So, you know, at at the end of the day, justice happened. Right. So, 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 uh, as this particular sequence winds down, Boba Fett, uh, again, finds some wood on Tatooine and starts a fire. And <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I was like, wait, you're in a desert. Where the hell is this is coming from? <laughs> right. And he tells, and he tells Fennec that, uh, you know, we're smarter than them. It's time we took our shot. And, uh, he basically says, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's basically looking for a ride or die. And Fennec says that uh, his time with the Tusken Raiders has made him soft. He he counters by saying that it's actually made him stronger and that he's learned that he's nothing without a tribe. And I will hand it off to Roddicat at this point. Family. That's right. (laughs) It's all about family, folks. Um, So, yeah. Um, (laughs) Nice. Um... So yeah, so now we're cutting back uh, to the present uh, when he wakes when Boba wakes up from the back of the tank, and presumably this is for people are saying that this might be the last um, flashback that we'll see. So I guess that's the case. We don't know until the next one. Um, oh well, yeah, but, but first we get the flashback to the the end of the Mandalorian season two, where we see Boba killing Bill Fortuna and taking the throne. Um, which I'm actually kind of, well, we'll get to that at, at, at the end of this. So, um, yeah, Boba comes out of the tank. The, the, the droid says, Hey, congratulations. You're, you're healed. And I guess that's the moment. Like I said, we find out that maybe that's the end of the flashbacks, but we don't, we don't know. Not necessarily the case, but we did, but presumably so. Um, so Boba says that he and Phoenix should go into, go into town. um, and she's and Phoenix is like, eh, it might be a bad idea, but they do it anyway. So they go back to that cantina uh, where uh, Jennifer Beals owns, who's, who I can't remember her character name, but she's a Twilight. So, you know, we'll get to that in a second. We see uh, Black Chrysanthemum uh, sitting at a table, just sitting there, 
you know, eyeing some Trandoshans. Um, for probably her name is Garza Garza Thwip. Thank you. It sounds it sounds way too much like a Spider Man sound effect, but yeah, Thwip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so Chrysanthemum is just sitting there chilling with his with his drinks, eyeballing some Trandoshans. And at this point, we know why he's he's eyeing these particular Trandoshans because they're Trandoshans. Right. And exactly. if you well, are a that. fan of, um, Re- wait, was it Rebels? Uh, I mean, it, no, well, Clone Wars comic, uh, Clone, but Clone Wars, yeah, Clone Wars, Rebel. I mean, yeah, well, Clone, Clone Wars yeah. definitely, and it's been in the comics also. Wookies and Trandoshans right. don't like each other because Trandoshans hunt Wookies. Exactly. From- what I was gonna say is there are specific episodes that highlight the that particular. Uh, unfortunate relationship between Trandoshans and Wookiees. Right, and if we remember the first episode of uh, of this show, there was a Trandoshan that came to Boba Fett with a Wookiee pelt. Right, offering it as tribute. Mm-hmm. So, Black Cretan's in there, like I said, watching them, and he's like, fuck it. He goes and takes out all of them and has um, um, has one of them ready to rip his arms off before uh, Jennifer Beals comes up and says, hey, 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 you've made your point. And then she kind of reminds him of how great he was, kind of stroking his ego, trying to trying to calm him down, which almost works uh, and kind of calls back to his times in the pits and stuff from the comic books and, and, and uh, whatnot. And she even kind of says, uh, uh, this is a more civilized time, uh, kind of uh, paraphrasing uh, Obi-Wan's um, uh, use of that of that term. You know, it's basically saying that, hey, the, the type of brutality you're using, you're about to use is is, is, uh, is not good anymore. But he rips off the, the, the thing's army anyway. <laughs> and Boba Fett's at the door just uh, sitting here watching this. And he was like, well, hey, it was worth a shot. Um, and uh, and Chrysanthemum walks out the door, you know, having having done his deed. It's okay. Don't worry about the Trandoshan. They're lizards. The, the armor go back. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so Boba goes after Grant Black Crescenton to um to recruit him, surprisingly enough, because uh, he needs more muscle. Um, um and uh I, he you know, he says yes or he agrees apparently because the next thing we see is uh the meeting of the three families <laughs> uh in inside uh Boba's uh Boba's uh, throne where there's a big dinner table and Boba's trying, uh, Phoenix is talking, saying, basically telling them to, hey, you know, uh, listen to Boba Fett, and, you know, because we know the Pikes are coming in and trying to take over and this and that and the other. And of course, there's some, um, at least some, um, well, there's not necessarily dissension, but people are like, well, why should we listen to you? You know, that type of situation. Uh, and that's when the rancor that's, that they're sitting right above kind of, um, <laughs> kind of interrupts the party and kind of wakes everybody up and be like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, shut up. So, um, Boba says, look, here's my proposition. Uh, I'm going to take care of the pikes. Don't do anything. Don't side with the pikes either, either join with me or don't side with the pikes, stay neutral or join with me. And they're like, all right, we're going to stay neutral, stay neutral. And and um, let him take care of it, basically. Which I'm surprised uh, because I've, I've noticed some of it was like um, 
somebody mentioning the uh, handling handling that situation the way Jabba would have because the, the dude that talked back to him would have been killed by Jabba. I'm sitting here like, well, yeah, but he's trying not trying not to be like Jabba, and that's why he's trying to come to them, you know, respectfully, and not do the same thing. But regardless, um, uh, after this whole meeting is over with Fennec and and Boba are talking. And it was like, well, we got to prepare for war, uh, but we need more muscle. And Phoenix like, well, you know, credits will buy you um, a, a lot of muscle if you know where to look. And apparently, again, we hear um, the music from the Mandalorian comes in and uh, mm-hmm. come in, which I did not catch this again. And oh, you didn't hear it? Mm, like you didn't bump it. on it, right? Oh, I surely did. You're just so used to hearing it when you're watching. Uh, uh, some uh, Mandalorian armor running around on the Disney Plus uh, show, right? Right, basically. So, but I but I didn't pick up on it at time. But and then the episode ends, right? So presumably right. from that, from what people are saying, we might uh, either we're going to get uh, Din Djarin back again, and and or probably some of those other Mandalorians that we um, I would assume anyway, some of those other Mandalorians that was in season two of uh, the Mandalorian. May pop oh, you mean um uh off and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, oh god, what was her Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, yes, 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 Bo-Katan, yes, yes. Um, right, right. um, and, and I, 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 I'm, I, I laugh when I see that the author of the particular summary that we're reading also mentions. I forget Timothy Oliphant's um right. character's name. I just remember him as um. Uh, uh, the guy with the good hair because he takes off the the, the he takes off Boba Fett's helmet and right. he's just got the wavy locks right. and I'm like, like damn that is not a hat head exactly untouched hair just just <laughs> I'm like yeah how you do that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and yeah maybe he might show up again but you know as and it would kind of make sense but um well it would and it would I don't know like he's on he's still on Tatooine and even though. Even though Din got the armor from him before, so he might not even know about him. I mean, Boba Fett might not even know about him because he got his armor from Din and not mm. that dude. So we'll see. So yeah, um, I don't know. What do you think about the episode? I thought it was finally good to, and, and I agree with the commenters who think that this might be our very last flashback episode, mm. and. I think that maybe we could have done without the flashback trope and just told the story in chronological order. And I think everyone would have appreciated it more. And then we had the twist that Boba Fett wants to basically uh, rise from his station as a bounty hunter. You know, he wants to become the employer rather than the employee. And that's that is, I think, what has been missing from the first four episodes so far is what is Boba Fett actually, you know, like what gets Boba Fett into the idea that what gives him the idea that he can become a crime boss. Right. So, you know, basically, he's been taking all of his contracts from crime bosses. Right. So he's just like, you know what? I could do your job better than you. And, you know, he basically uh, jumps on the opportunity that's presented to him because Bib Fortuna is the weakest replacement that uh, uh, of Jabba that possibly could have been. So, so I I am curious about that because so we know from the Mandalorian that the uh, bounty hunters have a guild, and I kind of part of me kind of wonders like, yeah, it could be a crime family, but it could be um 
I mean, it seems more like a crime parameter than what I'm about to say, but it also felt like, well, if he's getting, you know, Black Sand, he's getting Finnick, he, you know, he's probably going to enlist Mandalorian and probably some other folks, you know, for some more must to, to take down the Pikes for for that reason. But like, I'm wondering if there was no reason why he wasn't like trying to replace the guild or bring the guild back or something. Not that the guild. I don't think. Like, I think the guild is probably still around somewhere. But... I was about to say at this point, wasn't the guild? Well, forgive me, I'm not nearly as versed in Star Wars lore as Roddy Cat is, but wasn't the guild still active in the Mandalorian? That's what I'm yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, so yeah, then, no, but then, but 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 just allow me this. So at this point, we we're under the understanding that the guild was in effect when Vader hired all those bounty hunters, right, right. in Empire. Yes. Right, was still active. So ultimately, I don't know if if the two cannot be, you know, can't can't coincide because I think sure. uh, all the bounty hunters would agree, saying that, well, you know, I'm taking these jobs so that I can get paid and keep my ship in in, in working order. Uh, but some of them just aren't, you know, some of them are just straight up killers, and and Boba Fett is at least thinking that he is more that he can be more that right. he can make you know that he can run you know if not a crime you know if not become the godfather at least become one of the top lieutenants you know so he's found the opportunity to become uh don corleone you know he's trying to become michael and take over for uh don Vito. right yeah i mean yeah you're right like they could because we don't i don't necessarily know and this is you know, and this is like well after because we don't even know how Vader. You know, we know Vader has had uh, bounty hunters as an employee. Whether he got him from the guild or not, we don't know honestly. But right. and and we do know from the Mandalorian that yeah, that's still around. We don't know the state of it because it, it's not been brought up since like early on in the season one of Mandalorian. So we don't know. But you're right; it, it, they could coincide the same thing. And yeah, you're right. It seems like you know that may be more of the case than. Right, he's just trying to kind of, you know, kind of uh, do better for himself, and you know, the, we we see now how his uh, experience with the Tuscans kind of shaped that, mm-hmm. you know, because at, you know, to this point, he'd been flying solo, essentially, maybe teaming up with bounty hunters like the, you know, like with uh, uh, Black Chrysanthemum. I mean, Chrysanthemum, um, you know, uh in the comics, right? You know, and, and that's that's comic book canon. But up until now, he's basically been uh, a lone wolf looking for bounties, and or, you know, as far as well, we've seen, and adult wise, uh, now he's looking it. for what's that? Well, adult wise, because remember in Clone Wars when he was little, he was. Oh, that's true. Kid. That's right. He was working with a group mm-hmm. when he was a kid. Oh, I remember that. Oh God, bratty Boba Fett was annoying. Yes. Oh my gosh, he was annoying, man. So. Yes. Uh, I'm 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 kind of sorry that Roddy Cap brought that particular memory <laughs> back, but in any event, um, uh, I think that's probably you know I I kind of I kind of agree with the criticism that um, if they had kind of uh, for, uh, if they had foregone the uh, flashback route and done this in a chronological route, this would make more sense. Yeah. You know what? It's a storytelling trope. Right. It's a storytelling trope. I don't think it takes away from the story at all, but some people maybe didn't like the presentation. That, I think, might be a fair criticism, but I'm enjoying it. I don't understand why people – listen, you can't please everybody, but you know, I, I, I think there's some unfair criticism that this show has gotten. I think it mostly centers around the fact that 
Tamara Morrison's not really, uh, uh, you know, g- uh, giving us a lot of character work. <laughs> yeah. It's so, acting. Yeah. And I feel like it's also, you know, people have uh, short intended spans and like, oh, there's got to be action, 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 action. So the, the, and the, the, the flashbacks could be, even though there was some action in some of the flashbacks, could be seen as kind of slowing down it, quote unquote, getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Which is not the case because the, the, the flashbacks were kind of parallel to what was going on in the present day uh, for the most part. And like you said, it is a trope. And yeah, I thought it worked fine. I didn't have any problems with it either. So, but you know, like I said, we are we are in a in a time of short attention spans. For and yes, I'm talking to the to the the youths out there and some youths and some older folks. So let's face it, some 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 vintage people don't have the greatest uh, attention spans either. But so I, I feel like it's some of the criticisms kind of fall to that more than anything else, but that's just my opinion. Doesn't you know it, it? It matters not. I you know for the most part it's been going on, and uh, yeah, we, we'll basically have to see because I think what we have four more episodes after this. Yeah, I think so. So we're at the halfway point, and you know whether there's any more flashbacks or not, and. You know whether it "quote unquote" picks up as, as as some people would like to like to say, like we'll see. Like even if they did it in chronological order, that I don't feel like that would have made it any better or worse for some people than how it presented now. So, anyway, uh, any other any other thoughts before we move? No, that's it. We can move on. All right, cool. So with that, folks, we're going to um, move on to a very, very brief um, um, mention of Peacemaker episode four. Right. It just came out today Mm. in, you know, the day of this recording. So it's a little unfair for us to go into as much detail as we did for uh, Book of Boba Fett, because a, a vast number of people will probably still be a little behind on their TV watching. Right. And, uh, and we want to give people the chance to watch uh, Peacemaker Episode 4 and form their own opinions. And we really didn't talk about 1 through 3 all that much either, so. Right. But basically, I'm like, I don't know. This, 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 this I believe, wait, was this? Yeah, this was Episode 4 of that, and I believe this also has... Uh, eight episodes. So we, as Agent Seventy said before the show, there, there, we've got some, um, we've got some, a couple of revelations, um, uh, at the outset of this uh, episode. I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm gonna stick with it and see where it's going. But I'm like, out, but outside of that, I'm like, I don't know if I care that much. Like there, like it, the good, the, the, the show's kind of fun. Uh, right. It's definitely adult situations in, in a lot of it. Uh, just the uh, well, in in parts of it. So you don't want to definitely uh, still don't want to bring the kids to this one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is like I don't care about the character that much, or the that there's a couple of people around them maybe. And I'm the the reason I'm sticking around is because I know there's a couple of revelations that we still haven't that still hasn't coming out within the 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 show. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm kind of curious as to what they do with, but outside of that, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's it's a thing. Now, the, there was one revelation though that was, or at least from what I'm concerned, was like, yeah, I'm not surprised that this is the case, and like I kind of felt like I knew it. Like it, it's not like the show really spelt it out that much, but you can kind of almost see it if you paid 
Not even if you paid close, close enough attention, but it makes sense once you see the, the, the right. And it was definitely and, and the revelation that Roddy Cat is referring to is, I think, more far more heavily implied in this episode, especially in the latter half of this episode, mm-hmm. you know, given how this particular character is acting. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a that wasn't the biggest surprise, but I thought it was well done. I yeah. think that. Uh, and, and this entire, if I'm not mistaken, this entire series, every episode was written by James Gunn. So his fingerprints are all over it. Mm-hmm. And you can see that he has uh, a particular idea in mind for, and I don't know how faithful this is to uh, the original origin of the comic book Peacemaker, but there is um, a, a redemption arc in here for the Peacemaker character uh, that 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 comes from you know uh, uh, a, a tough childhood and you know kind of overcoming uh, the influence of a parent that may have an outsized and bad influence on the kid and it's interesting I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, copying this particular observation from Fat Man Beyond um, uh, the episode that dropped uh, the audio episode that dropped today, I was listening to it um, uh, just before we were just before we started recording. And they mentioned something I thought was interesting. The there are two characters in this show who are both dealing with the ramifications of being the children of uh, powerful forces in the dc universe right you know one of them is peacemaker and the other is one of his handlers and it's an interesting there's you know it's an interesting uh parallel story that we're seeing unfold and seeing how the other characters in the handling group in the handler group um kind of bounce off those particular relationships uh you know i'm still getting a kick out of james gunn's uh wife who um he enjoys writing some 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 fun things around Mm -hmm. you know she's definitely easy on the eyes and the uh the 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 computer guy the greek guy um you know his his last name is definitely greek um is is sufficiently annoying enough for me to hope for bad things to happen to him and that's what i keep hoping for as the episodes unfold yeah yeah, he had he had a slight comeuppance um, in, in this particular episode, mm-hmm. but not to the extent that yeah, I would agree. You know, right. So I'm constantly hoping for you know this uh, this computer guy to uh, get smacked around. So some of it did in fact occur in this episode, yeah. but uh, but yeah, you know what? I see what's going on. I don't I don't really care for it. Like it doesn't. It's not something I particularly have like a huge affinity for. But at the same time, I appreciate the good execution. And that's yeah. really, I think, where my appreciation for the show comes in and, and what Gunn is doing with these characters who, you know, the vast majority of us are not familiar with at all. Right. And per James Gunn's usual, usual uh, fare, the, the music slaps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's It's, you know, the vast majority of it is music I've never heard of. Right. Exactly. But you know he uses the music and the soundtrack to great effect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm 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 kind of looking forward to because like well, unlike you, like that yeah. So the um, the um, I can't remember his, uh, his wife's name's character. Uh, Jen Holland. Oh, uh, Harcourt. You 
Harcourt, yeah. And I knew it, yeah. But Harcourt, yeah, I'm like, I feel like they're also trying to set up something like that I hope doesn't happen. Because, you know, there's the whole, like, okay, Peacemaker likes her or at least wants to have sex with her. One of the, you know, <laughs> one of the cases. And it seemed like they're kind of kind of inching that forward. Um, mm-hmm. But also, like, uh, okay, who cares about that? But, and, and I know... And this is probably particular to me, but I was like, I'm kind of more curious about the whole thing with Adebayo. Uh, well, but no, but I said, but what I said is that that's one of the two big, know. you know, character storylines. I know. So, but that's what I'm saying. That, I was like, I'm kind of more curious about how, what, what's going to happen with that as opposed mm-hmm. to this other stuff that they might be uh, thinking about. But, and also like you, yeah, Economist needs to get smacked up a little bit more. <laughs> So we we'll see what happens with with that. And yeah, they're even trying to make vigilante or this version of vigilante kind of sorta sympathetic in a way, which I'm like that he he's also kind of annoying. Well, no, they make him more annoying because actually in the original comics he's fairly sympathetic. He's definitely one of those characters that loses his way. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if I recall, you know, they're in comics. You know, they're actually in comics. Um, you know, the, him losing his way kind of goes further when I think he has his own series. Mm-hmm. But in the New Teen Titans issues where he debuted, he definitely was on that road, on that dark road um, in those issues. So it's a it's a definitely a different characterization of Adrian Chase than I'm used to. But ultimately, the, you know, uh, we've said it before. Some of these characters, some of these B, C, D list characters are adapted so that uh, they, it, they, that they each fit into the role that they need to play. Right. And um, yeah, and I know I saw I think I saw an article think, uh, about um, I think that version of uh, Vigilante might be worse than the Arrowverse version, which I'm like, how, how is that even possible? But <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, that's that's that. Um, like I said, it's on HBO Max. You can check out the first four episodes if you want to. This is not a, an endorsement of it, one way or the other. But you know, if you know, if you like the Suicide Squad and you give a care about that character or John Cena or whatever, then hey, go check it out for yourself if you want to. <laughs> Moving right along, we're going to get into some comic books of the weekend. Boy, do we have a lot of them. Uh, first off, we are going to go to She-Hulk, number one of five. All righty. One second. Yes, I pulled up covers here. One second. All right. She-Hulk, number one, is written by Rainbow Rowell. Rowell. With art by uh, Roger... Antonio, mm-hmm. who I am not familiar with, but does an uh, mm-hmm. exemplary job on this issue. Callers are by Rico Renzi, who we are familiar with, and he does, in fact, do uh, an exemplary job on this issue as well. And letters are by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So we open up this issue with a very uh, tough kind of it's not a midlife crisis, but it's definitely a career crisis that Jennifer Walters finds herself in based on where the character has been uh, in her adventures in the pages of Avengers. She's kind of regained the ability to uh, 
take the form of She-Hulk in a in a less Hulk form and more of a She-Hulk form. But at the same time, her legal career, even though we've seen her practicing in the pages of the Fantastic Four, her legal career is still kind of in flux because of her adventures up at Avengers Mountain and beyond. So that is where we find Jennifer Walters at the beginning of this issue. And she runs into essentially one of her main antagonists slash um, members of her personal villains. uh, uh, I'm sorry, her, um, her rogues gallery. And that character so aptly described in this issue is a former supervillain and that former supervillain. And, you know, and I, and I appreciate the, the, the nod to continuity here that that status as a former supervillain is on kind of shaky ground, but thankfully this supervillain and She-Hulk reach an understanding, which I thought was novel. I thought this was an extremely novel approach to the rivalry that has developed over several years, several decades now between these two characters and ultimately where they leave each other is in a better place. What I really appreciated about that is that it's far more about the characterization than the action. It's far more about where these characters actually find themselves now in 2022, as opposed to just rehashing, uh, you know, the, the various bouts that they've had over the years. We find out next that uh, Jennifer Walters has uh, teamed up with um, a small solo practitioner who basically hires her just so that she doesn't have to face Jennifer Walters in court anymore. And, that's just another part of Jennifer Walters trying to get back on her feet or at least reestablish her uh, law career after the events of um, uh, the Avengers, uh, of the events of her life in Avengers. And we also get a nice little flashback here to a stage of life that she was in when she was essentially staying in a spare apartment owned by Janet Van Dyne. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a little bit of a positive turn in uh, Jen Walters' story only to be upended at the end by a reveal that I did not think was going to have as much of an impact on her as it did. But it's a cliffhanger nonetheless at the end of the issue. Right. So, okay, so a couple of things here. For newer people coming to uh, She-Hulk, this probably won't give them that much context. I mean, un- un- unless you, like us, have been reading um, um, well, one, knowing about the character b- b- before now, but also reading what's been going on with uh, the Avengers. Because part of me is like, uh, like, yeah, okay, it makes sense, but it also kind of weird- weirdly doesn't, in a way, because like, yes, there her, her, you know, what happened in the Avengers was a thing, and yes, she had a a, a job with the Fantastic Four, um, uh, recently, and it, it's a weird thing to where they put Jen back in the place that we have seen her having, and I'm saying that having read older She-Hulk um, volumes, like we've pretty much put her back in the place where she's been in the past. Like, yeah, it's still kind of, uh. 
kind of in a place with her law practice, but um, you know, because sometimes they kind of give her varying varying statuses on that. Like in a couple of volumes, like she's always have cases, and sometimes I'm like, oh, she just kind of not necessarily getting up on her feet, but kind of as this book kind of goes uh, on to say, kind of reinventing herself uh, again, <laughs> as, as it says. So she kind of finds her in a place where she's just kind of starting from a, a place and trying to build us up, build back up. And this is kind of uh, a, a similar situation. Uh, that aside, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It feels kind of weird. Cause it's like knowing what happened in Avengers and knowing that she has, she's uh, got the job with fantastic pro. Like, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that she's just going to be balling, but you know, it, it, it was a case that, I, and it wasn't even necessarily a big case with the fantastic four stuff. Cause obviously she was on trial at one point in the Avengers and, and now practicing law, you know, um, you know, in the Fantastic Four, just like the, I guess they kind of balance themselves out, but doesn't necessarily right. put her in a place. And we also, you know what I was going to say is we also don't know exactly where that Fantastic Four story falls exactly. in continuity with regards to this story. Exactly. So it could be after she starts working with this former adversary, you know, kind of joining a, 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 a solo practitioner in practice. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing that's kind of like, okay, yes, because you would think at the very least that case would kind of put her somewhere, somewhere a little bit better than, than where this is suggesting she's starting off at. But I can say this is a good starting point nonetheless, whether you knew what was going on, you know, uh, uh, with recent events or not. And I don't even, I don't even know if they're even going to call that much attention to it in the course of this, um, these five issues. Uh, but that being said, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed it because like I said, it is definitely kind of calling back to old She-Hulk volumes where she, she's kind of starting off in a place, um, and, and kind of possibly getting into some stuff and yeah, having going back to, uh, that old department of Janet's and, um, you know, kind of, starting to re reclaim some semblance of her life uh in that is uh i guess is a starting point that thing at the end i know they're gonna probably explain that um um next issue and if you know enough about the character that shows up at the end and their relation to uh she hulk uh kind of makes sense if you know that but even if you well even if like me you do it's like well where or why or how is this even happening which again they'll sure. get into next next uh next uh issue i'm sure right and i feel like this is a this is uh uh the precursor to a tie-in to the fantastic four because the fantastic four the reckoning war storyline i believe touches upon both of these characters, both this character in the cliffhanger and uh, Jen Walter She-Hulk. Yes, that, I believe that has been in the news as such. So, yes. Um, so, yeah, so between so between this miniseries and that, I, I assume we'll... I guess that's going to... Or this is going to get... Kind of go into that at some point. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it, it was a good a first issue. Uh, it, it's always good seeing this version of... well. I would say start seeing this because she's not necessarily like classic She-Hulk yet, but she, cause she kind of still teetering on a, on a, on a part of it, but it's always good to see her back to some sort of a status. Like, don't get me wrong. I like the, the, the winter Hulk look and the roided Hulk look was, you know I mean? I mean, the thing was what it was, was what it was, but it was also kind of annoying for a good stretch of that Avengers run, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so it's 
always good to see the Jade Giants is back. Uh, uh, so we'll see where this goes. Uh, and this was a particular click of the week for me. I will say that. No, it was good. I definitely appreciate it. And, and I thought the highlight, the true highlight of the issue was the, uh, was the, uh, the, the scuffle with, uh, the, the first character right. that, that yeah. appears. I thought that was so well done exactly. and, and just, you know, depicted art wise, story wise, everything. Right, and like you said earlier, I do love, I do, I did enjoy the way that kind of, that was kind of handled because it's like, yeah, it's not the same old thing uh, as it what it used to be, and they they are in a better place than what they have been, and that was, it was like they're almost kind of friends, I guess. <laughs> no, just friend, like friendlier rivals, right? You know, not friends, but definitely, definitely, uh, especially given the. Um, the the way this character was portrayed in recent issues of the Hulk, right, and of uh, Gamma Flight, correct, yeah, Gamma Flight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but like so those are some big those are some big hints as to which character we're referring to. Yeah, but if you know anything about She Hulk, because she's not like she's got a big rogues gallery in the first place. You you if you know enough about her stories, do you kind of know who it is? Right. So. But that being said, like I said, but yeah, there are, I, I still maintain looks like they are, like you said, they are friendlier than what they were, but like, like it could potentially end up being maybe more friendlier than that. Not necessarily romantic. I'm not suggesting that, but I'm just saying, but you know, definitely a different dynamic than what they were in in, in the past. And as you said earlier, that's like, yeah, it's kind of an, an update that probably is kind of needed personally, you know, because <laughs> that can't keep happening all the time. You know, that gets, that, that got old even back in the day. Right. But even so, you know, there are characters that go through this a lot. You know, Mm. we're talking about specifically about uh, Ben Grimm and uh, the Hulk, uh, you know, as a prime example of how sometimes those 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 particular one on one fights, you know, have evolved over time, especially, uh, you know, I'm referring to how their confrontation in the pages of the Immortal Hulk uh, played out. You know, uh, you know, we're still going to get the action, but there's going to be more characterization given how, you know, even with Marvel's rubber band continuity, there is a long history with some of these characters. And it makes sense that their confrontations would evolve into, you know, more character driven uh, uh, beats as opposed to just, you know, splash page like, oh, this is great. Uh, this would be a, a nice, easy way to uh, get a couple of pages in. You know, and have the artist have fun. Right. There seems to be more of an understanding between them than just them being rivals, punching bags to each other situation. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely give uh, Roger Antonio a lot of credit on this because I definitely was, uh, I I became a fan Mm -hmm. while reading this. So yeah. I feel like we've, I, I, at least I know have, I, that name has come up on a, on a few books uh, in the past and I, I'm, I'm blanking on which ones I would have to go look at their, their, um, the storage, but yeah, their, their, their art is good. And, um, Rainbow Raw, Raul, I, uh, kind of hit the ground on a good foot with this. And I know you read her uh, runaway. So you, I know you're more familiar. Mm-hmm. With that, so. No, she's no, she's definitely good. I'm mm-hmm. just looking at, I'm just looking at uh, Roger Antonio's um, Twitter page. So, yeah, he's worked on... I guess he's going to be one of the artists on X-Men Red. 
Oh yeah, that's, that's upcoming. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done some Conan the Barbarian, some Injustice Year Zero. He worked on Hellions, and he's worked on She-Hulk. There we go. I think it was uh, yeah, Hellions and and uh, Justice Year One. I, I think that's where I I know him from. So, and anyway, like I said, um, check this out. Uh, we know for the, the, the other reason why she's probably getting this book is because she's got a show coming, uh, uh, a Disney Plus show coming out. What I think this year or next year, one or two. So that's not slight the character because you know I, it's always good to see She Hulk in a book personally. So, mm-hmm. so for whatever reason she's getting, it, regardless of, I mean, I'm I'm kind of more sad that it's a mini series and not an ongoing, but you know, it is what it is, and these are the times. Uh, so we can move on though, I guess. Wait, do we want to do actually speaking of, um, people with a mini series, uh, let's do silk. All right. Or did you read uh, silk? Actually? I don't, I don't know. No, I did read silk. Okay. It's no problem. I read it. Okay. No worries. Yeah, I didn't see, I didn't look at your uh, stuff to see what you read. No worries. So silk is next in the list and uh speaking of nods to continuity the writer emily kim artist takeshi miyazawa colorist ian herring and vcs ariana Ma- uh, mayor or mar on letters do a good job of continuing the story that was uh begun in the previous silk miniseries and picking up right, essentially right where we left off and giving shout outs to what happened in the previous miniseries with regards to um, uh, uh, events in uh, Cindy's personal and superhero life. Mm-hmm. I really like that we get uh, a callback very early on in – uh, the story, you know, we get a little bit of an, an, an out of context, uh, an out of context kind of a flashback for the first two pages. And then we get right into where Silk is now and where Cindy Moon is both personally and professionally. And as I said, we get the callbacks to her therapist and you know and and all of the shenanigans that happened in the previous miniseries when she had to change therapists as well as her current gig as a reporter for the um oh what is it called threats and menaces threats and menaces i was about to say i know that it's a it's more of an online thing and i really appreciate that some of the characterization for j jonah jameson uh with regards to his interaction with cindy moon is still on point it's still Right, you know, the voice hasn't changed. I love that um, Cindy says something and Jonah is uh, dumbstruck and says, you really are the oldest (laughs) young person I know. I really got a kick out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the the overall plot of this is, I think, I think it lends itself to uh, a a solid miniseries that's, and, 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 and the, the plot the danger that Cindy's facing is I think rooted in her Korean roots mm-hmm. and you know, it, it helps that uh, the writer is of uh, Korean descent. Her name is Emily Kim. And uh, you know, we'll learn more about this. I guess it's the witch character 
in the next issue, we only get a little bit of a tease as to what this witch can do and what the witch is capable of. So that is, you know, it's a it's a good it's a good first issue of this miniseries that does, in fact, like I said, make good nods to previous continuity. So we know exactly where we are and uh, exactly how we're picking up from the last miniseries. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned that, because especially with the recap page, if you if you read it, because if you're not if you don't know the character of Silk Cindy and Cindy Moon, that recap page pretty much gives you beat for beat, um, you know, um, everything up until now, like. Going back from to to the beginning, uh, or when she came into the universe, and, and up until now, like I said, the the the, the major beat, not every everything, but you know, because there's not a whole lot. But yeah, like the big highlights, because right. you know, it's you know, we've seen the character in uh, supporting roles in both the Amazing Spider-Man book as well as uh, the Agents of Atlas book. Mm-hmm. So all of you know, that, so. those are included uh, as well as her um, two her two previous solo books. Right. Um, and yeah, and as, three, uh, I was about to say three previous solo books because the, before this was a mini series and two attempts at a, at an ongoing. Right. Um, so yeah, that being said, like I said, you can kind of jump in on this and, and kind of, kind of run because of the recap page. Like if you don't, if you didn't really know anything about the character and if you wanted to go back to the other stuff, Hey, go for it. Um, I like I said, yeah, it was definitely a good issue to start off with. It, it definitely felt like uh, a kind of continuation of the last volume, especially with the type of threat that she's dealing with, um, and also in her personal life, kind of uh, you know, she's not necessarily adjusting. She's already she's pretty much adjusted to how things are now, given you know, you know given where she's come from. But also, she's still how she kind of hits upon things that kind of um <laughs> that that kind of uh, uh not necessarily astound her but it just kind of like gives her pause like hashtags and influencers and which I wish I wish something more had happened to that to that influencer than 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 what ended up happening but you know you have to read the story to find out what I'm talking about on that one. Right. Um you know her being so long young but like it like Jay Jonah says, you know, it's like the, the youngest older person that he knows. And actually, mm-hmm. on the Jay Jonah part... Um, oh, no, the oldest young person. Yeah, excuse me, the oldest young person that he knows. Yeah, because I definitely yeah. know some people... I've known at least one or two people like that. And I was like, how do you even know that as young as you are? Or, or how is that? How do you not know that as young as you are? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I definitely appreciate uh, Tak Miyazawa's art on this yes. because it's a consistent... You know, there's a consistency to his art. And uh, it's just something that that I definitely appreciate. We've, uh, you know, extolled his the virtues of his art over the years. Mm-hmm. But I just really appreciate how consistent his art is. And uh, you know, uh, you know, not to typecast him as like the, the the young female protagonist artist, but it definitely, you know, he he just uh, does a good job at this, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like same art team as the last volume of Silk and uh, Miss Marvel and other things. Uh, the the Tak Mizar and Ian, Ian Herring has uh, has done together, if I'm not mistaken. Matter of fact, yes, I'm not mistaken. I'm for sure. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, good stuff. Um, there was something else I was gonna say about this. Oh, the, I felt like the the, the the Jonah part. I almost felt like he was gonna say bring me. Well, he did say bring me pictures of 
almost said bring me pictures of he almost of said it i I, I hit on that too i mm-hmm. absolutely picked up on that like bring me pictures of spider-man type situation uh, but with silk and i got a kick out of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. you know what I, before we move on to the yeah. next book this is one of those times and and this is where my noting of how well they uh how well they uh, remind us of the continuity and and nodding to previous, uh, the previous miniseries and the previous series is, um, this makes me, mo- I, I mind it less that this is a miniseries as opposed to an ongoing, because yeah. we're not necessarily getting a filler story in between, but rather we're just getting a break, you know, in, in publishing. Right. You know, it would be nice if this was ongoing. We'd love it if it was ongoing, but at the same time, as long as they're staying on top of what happened before and making note of it and incorporating it, you know, part of me is okay, mm-hmm. despite my normal misgivings about having these, you know, miniseries, various miniseries come out when, you know, we think that a character is deserving of an ongoing yeah, and who's to say? I mean, Stranger Things have happened to where, you know, miniseries do end up turning into uh, an ongoing. So it could happen. I'm, I I, I can't say I'm holding out hope for it, but I would love it for you because, yeah, because like Age of Seven, I do, I do enjoy this character and I think she isn't um, deserving of a, another ongoing. So who's to say? Y'all read the book. Maybe you should, you know, get themselves up. Maybe it'll happen. Exactly. All right, move right along. I guess we'll keep stay in the, the spider corner and do uh, amazing, and then we can consider going to uh, rapid fire after that. Sure. Oh, so, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number eighty-six is written by Zeb Wells with art by Michael Dowling, uh, who does a, a really good job on this issue. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, colors are by the color artist is Brian Valenza and letters are again by our favorite lettering Paisan VCs, Joe Caramagna. Uh, take it away, Radicat. So uh, after the events of last uh, uh, issue, uh, you know, being found out uh, that the beyond Cord, you know, well, has confirmation, I would say, that the Beyond Core doesn't have his best interest at heart or or in or just using him. Like Doc Hot gave him the 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 the, um, the drive with all the information on it and you know, he kinda takes it in the most Ben Riley kind of way because we see him uh, at the beginning of this in therapy, uh in another therapy session. Um but a flashbacks to a, a previous mission to where he n- kind of handles things the way he handles things. And it, you know, while it does work out, there, there's, there is some collateral damage to it. Uh, but the rest of the, the uh, issue is pretty much him being real stupid <laughs> because he's basically talking to this, this therapist and is like, well, you work for beyond and you're, you know, you're one of them, this and the other. And, you know, I got problems with them. One, not well, to be fair, they neither one of them knew they were being recorded, but two, it was like, okay, well, they should have, yes. and that's what was funny, exactly. That part, one, and two, the even the therapist was like, oh, yeah, no, they're supposedly, you know, she the, the therapist was like, like, well, I don't trust them either, and they're supposed to not be, you know, uh, they they give me some sort of a leeway or rein in, in these sessions and come to find out that that's not true. Uh, but the little uh, unbeknownst to them. So, 
even still with all of that and with what Ben has found out, you would think he would have still kept some things close to the vest. But no, he pretty much uh, sings because he's thinking like, oh, well, since this therapist says she's not with, you know, she might be working for Beyond, but she's not with him. Kind of like in the situation he is, I guess, I guess, parallel, supposedly, you know, that is okay. Like, how would you even know that she's telling the truth to you? <laughs> like, damn it, Ben, you're stupid. So then she goes about it, and Maxine's dangerous here, here and all of this stuff um, in, in the background. And that that's pretty much the crux of this issue. Um, and on the other side is we see uh, his girlfriend, Janine, uh, I guess, trying to get out so uh get out so she could do whatever and so she's got uh that marcus dude uh not necessarily hostage or something i don't know what the, what's going on there but i guess she's going off to do something because because of what ben gave her i don't know if she did did we see her because he, he whispered her in her ear we saw we saw that but we did she actually look at the drive or I no, because did. what we were, what, what the, the the art that we saw was that she was handed the mask, Correct. and this issue shows that what was being handed to her was more than just the mask, which we kind of, yeah, that's you kinda where, yeah, right. But but it wasn't explicit in this issue; it was made clear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so now she's trying to get out of the building. So I guess she could either do something with that or. Find some answers sometime. I'm not sure what she, what what her part on that part, but that's pretty much the, the, the two sides of this issue. Right, um, they're basically looking to rebel. Right. You know, both Janine and Ben Riley are looking to rebel more openly and outwardly against what Beyond uh, has in store for them. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, at the end of this issue, we're starting to see some of the ramifications of that. Right. So, especially on Ben Riley's side. Right, and as, so as I said, told uh, Age of Seventy before this, uh, before we started recording, there is a, a Ben Riley book, the, the start of Ben Riley's um, solo book uh, started this week. I did not read it, and this issue almost um, got me to reading it, but I said no, I'm not doing it, don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and whether we don't even know whether it's going to even tie into whether it's tying into this or not, or this is like going off on something else. So. Who knows? Maybe one day, maybe I'll read it. I don't know. I doubt it, but just like I wasn't really trying to feel it because I just want to get away from this Ben Riley stuff. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's probably in the news about what what's been announced over the past week. Did we talk about it last week? Uh, I don't remember. I have lost a lot of sense of time. So yeah, I know. I I well, I guess you saying that um, uh, April solicits have come out uh, for Marvel. Uh, as of uh, as of this recording, uh, DC's not out, but there's some stuff not, so we got some news on some stuff. So got it. Uh, so yeah, we can kind of move on now. Um, do you want to do, do Miles and then go do Rapid? Since that's fine. The, uh, spider stuff. That's fine. Let me click over to Miles. Because actually, there's. There's not actually much to this issue. No, because it's it, it's really you know. Let me just get the, uh, the the creative team out of the way. I'm just I'm literally clicking through my books. So this issue, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number thirty-four, is written by Saladin Ahmed, with pencils by Michelle Bandini and Luigi Zagaria. 
Inkers are it's inked by Michelle Bandini, Elisabetta D'Amico, and Luigi Zagaria. Uh, it definitely feels, you know, we've said this before. I've said this before. It definitely feels like some of these art teams are uh, coming out of Italy more and more often. You know, we've seen some on the DC side too. And I remember Jim Lee living in Italy for a little while before coming back to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that. Uh, another crop, you know, at least uh, it seems like there is a crop of artists coming out of Italy as well as uh, South America. That's where we've gotten a lot of uh, uh, other new up-and-coming artists uh, in comic books. Colors on this issue are by David Curiel and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit or Petit. Um, I think uh, Veronica was about to go into the story, so go ahead. Yeah, like I said, there's not much to it. So, for some strange reason, this is a beyond tie end, uh, and that is what the the basically the current stuff going on with Ben Riley and um, um uh the Amazing Spider Man. What's going on there? There is not that much of a tie at all in this. Like, yes, uh, Miles and Ben met in Amazing, and basically this is where he got where Miles got uh the sense that the accessor is still uh, around and doing stuff. That's pretty much it. There's really nothing else tying. Uh, this to what's going on in an amazing. So despite the fact that the, the, uh, it says a beyond tie in on the cover, it's really not much, but the crux of it is shift, uh, excuse me. Um, miles and shift are, are going after the accessor because they found his, um, his, uh, headquarters and they're fighting their way through it. Uh, they meet up with, um, some, a lot of resistance, uh, but they persevere and get through it, and the, at the end of it, you know, it looks like there might be a showdown coming, possibly two showdowns, right? Uh, and and that's it. That that like I said, that's pretty much the gist of this episode. Like it was a good action uh, issue, but there was really nothing, d- despite what it's saying, tying it to what's going on in Amazing. Right. Just before we move on, I had a I had something to make note of. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's a term that I had not been familiar with before, but uh, I know that it is a video game term, a video game term that uh, brings in some real world branding, and that is nerfing or nerf. Yes, where a character's powers can be downplayed or reduced in order to fit into uh, the, st- at least in comic book storytelling, to fit into the story and to serve a storytelling purpose. Yep. I feel like the Infinity Stones slash gems have been nerfed to a certain extent because the gem that is at issue with the character that has been imbued, literally imbued with the stone, or has become one with the stone, Mm -hmm. apparently, or at least it's implied that this character has reached a limit, whereas... When these stones were introduced in uh, the pages of Silver Surfer, I, I I'm not 100 percent sure if this stone was uh, in particular was introduced there or if it was somewhere else. But the characters who um, protected these stones, the former elders of the universe, right, were pretty damn powerful. Yes, right, and were not quite. You know, they didn't have, you know, uh, shout out to uh, Emperor Palpatine, unlimited power. <laughs> ah! 
But it was close because they could basically hold off the Silver Surfer who wields the power cosmic. Okay. So it's just kind of weird that, you know, they would imply that this character um, who is imbued, literally imbued with one of the infinity stones slash gems that, um, you know, that, that they would have some sort of limit that Miles would be able to take advantage of. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. And I was like, yeah, and that, yeah, and I kind of rubbed up on that too. I was like, mm. like I, I've seen this character, and I'm and, and like you said, like yeah, this, 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 I know that is the case. I'm sitting here like that, something on me, which kind of made me think like maybe this was not like I was thinking for like two seconds, like maybe that wasn't the character, but still the accessor testing Miles and Shift in that because that's what because because that didn't make any sense to me. So I was like, and then. You know, so for for those that don't know the 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 the, the person being whatever that Miles is going up against is called the Accessor. They kidnapped Miles and was basically torture testing him uh, mm-hmm. and shift also uh, another side of this by putting him through a whole bunch of stuff. And they kind of reiterated some of that stuff in this issue. So that's what kind of made me think it was like, and he did have this character uh, in his in their employ to kidnapped Miles in the first place, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, which ended up happening. So yeah, like you just seventy said, like it's kind of weird that this pretty powerful character had a had a limit that was reachable by Miles. Not saying Miles is no slots, but let's face it, he's not not nowhere near the the the, the power set of a uh, an infinity zone. He's not Captain Universe either, so you know right. this is not one of those situations. Right, so, right, right. So I, 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 I you know, like, I'm, well, maybe that I'm was glad you picked up on that. Yeah. So. All yeah, right. So I guess say. we can move on to rapid fire and we'll get through our books. Indeed. Actually, speaking of books. Ain't time to bleed. Should have been writing down some of these. But go ahead and uh, do your books if you don't mind. Sure, I will go through mine. First up, so I'm a little out of alphabetical order uh, because I was listing my DC books first. First up is Nightwing number 88. It is written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo. Colors are by Adriano Lucas. Letters are by And World Design. So this issue has Dick Grayson kind of coming to terms with a big announcement that he made uh, when Tom Taylor initially took over the writing of this title. And that, you know, this is all coming out of, um, you know, the events of... um, uh, the event, you know, the latter part of the uh, the Tom King Batman, and um, you know, I, I'm not trying to spoil all of it, but at the end of the day, uh, Nightwing has found himself independently wealthy, independent of Bruce Wayne, and he's uh, you know, looking to start something in Bloodhaven. Or Bloodhaven, and some people are not happy about that, and they're looking to take him out. And Nightwing is able to call upon his 1980s gang of friends 
and they're able to uh, uh, assist. He actually doesn't call upon them. Uh, uh, Barbara Gordon does. And Barbara Gordon has been uh, placed first and foremost into the um, role of uh, main love interest for Nightwing lately. So, and Dick Grayson uh, lately. So, um, you know, this, you know, that's definitely a subplot that is, um, that is running through the pages of this Nightwing book. But as I said, he, there is a nice callback to, uh, and splash page specifically to um, a particular uh, a, a particular supergroup that uh, Nightwing was a member of in the 1980s and 90s and and beyond. But there is a particular uh, splash page that uh, has a nice little callback to the cover of uh, issue number one of that book. And uh, ultimately, we find out it, uh, as the story goes is that there are still forces at work in Bluthaven who are not happy with the direction that Dick Grayson wants to take uh, his charitable efforts in. Uh, next up, so we did amazing number 86. Next up is Avengers number 52. And... The book is written by Jason Aaron with uh, art by Juan Frigeri. Color art is by David Curiel and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So this issue kind of took a little bit of a detour from where we've been so far with all of the multiversal incursions that have been happening in recently in the pages of Jason Aaron's Avengers. But they are not far away. Because uh, they do, in fact, rear their head later on in this issue. But we open this issue with Captain America paying his respects to one of one of the the the, the last remaining World War II veterans of that he uh, fought alongside. And while he, Carol Danvers, and the brand new, not a crawling baby anymore, Starbrand take a trip to Kansas, um, they find themselves in the birthplace of uh, the new baby star brand. And uh, what is her first name? Brandy. Brandy's right. So her full name is Brandy Selby. And Brandy Selby's origin story, at least her mother's origin story and her own origin story, are recapped here in just a few panels. And that's really all we know about this new baby star brand right now. That's all we, you know, that's, that's all we're, we're, we're going to know uh, for, a, for a little while. And as I said, the uh, ongoing multiversal Avengers stuff that's been happening in Jason Aaron's Avengers does in fact rear its head and we get a, a squad of Deathlocks and a couple of these multiversal uh, masters of evil that, that come in and uh, try to take down Captain America and Captain Marvel. I really like, I really like that Aaron is um, stressing uh, their, their military connection, mm -hmm. even though they are from different branches of the United States armed services uh, they both react similarly and, uh, you know, despite uh, 
Carol Danvers, I think, literally outranking Captain America, at least in actual rank. We all know who we all know who who who, who actually leads. And it's kind of funny that um that, that Carol is actually very explicit about that at the beginning of the issue to uh to uh the new star brand. And ultimately we get here in this issue a reveal of um, or at least an updating of the star brand's uh, status, mm-hmm. and and where and and what we may possibly be seeing going forward from the star brand character, this updated version of the star brand. Yeah, this character up until now, and could possibly possibly still even at this new new uh, point, uh, was kind of annoying. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, so for those that don't know uh, the the yeah so the the, the star band was the brand was born out in space and we get a little we get some of that there uh, it was a baby and the baby keeps aging up so we so that's the kind of thing that's going on in in this not the first time we've seen that in an Avengers book but in a different con- in, in a different way um, yeah and as we as uh, Agent Seventy and I kind of talked before the show they're setting some things up, especially with uh, a core group of uh, Avengers that oh, we were both curious as to what, what they're implying. What they meant. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I guess we, we will probably get that because there's a part of it that we don't get in this issue that we'll probably get. Uh, uh, I assume we're going to get in another issue. And yeah, like mm-hmm. uh, I just said, there's the whole multiversal thing that's been going on in the last couple of issues. So this is like probably what one of three parts because we saw uh, Thor, what, what was going on with Thor and um, Iron Man last issue at pretty much at the same, I presume at the same time as what this is going on. And mm-hmm. then there's another part where where uh, where um, uh, Avengers Mountain gets attacked, which we will see next issue. But I think we kind of got got bits of at the end of last issue, uh, in, in a way. So the team's basically split up, but they're all do, they end up dealing with the, the same threat. So, and I assume at some point they're going to come together. What's up? All righty. Next up is Hulk number three, uh, written by Donny Cates with art by Ryan Otley. Uh, pencils by Ryan Otley. Inks are by Cliff Rathburn. Colors are by Frank Martin and Fred uh, Federico Blee. And letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. Did you read this? I did not. I meant to, but I didn't. Okay. So I won't spoil what happens in this issue, but we do follow up on the cliffhanger ending of the last issue. And we have an update on... Uh, a possible uh, trip into the multiverse that the Hulk is actually on. Okay. And that's really the, the, the crux of this issue because we're dealing with that possible, uh, with that distinct possibility. Mm, interesting. Okay. I'll just right. it out. So it's all multiverse all the time. Thanks to um, Peter Parker in uh, a certain movie that Roddy Cat just watched. Well, thanks to uh, the this phase, what's going on in MCU Phase Four period. But yes, definitely right. that too. <laughs> right, right, right. He just watched it, folks. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Uh, we didn't even get. We 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 forgot to cover it because I had shut it out of my head <laughs> for so many weeks. 
because Roddy Cat took his sweet time watching it for real reasons. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I have seen Spider-Man No Way Home, and, and I'm miffed about a thing that happened in it. But overall... Right, so we'll probably... Right, so, so Roddy Cat and I will probably talk about it after the show, and maybe, maybe we'll do a short Treasury Edition about it. Yeah, we'll see about it. Now that he's watched it, and we could talk about it more in depth. Mm-hmm. All righty, next up is Moon Knight number seven. I have I read this. All righty, and uh, allow me to uh, get the creative team out. It is written by Jed McKay with art by Federico Sabatini. Color is by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So in this issue, Moon Knight is on the hunt for information on the villain known as Zodiac. And I love that McKay actually writes into this issue that there's some confusion as to who we are referring to when we talk about the character Zodiac. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the parallel stories that's happening in this issue involves Tigra, a.k.a. Greer Nelson, who is in this uh, series working with Mark Spector. And we find out that she is also there with other tasks. She's there with, I don't want to say an ulterior motive, but she's there uh, with other, she's there for another purpose. Yes. And, um, you know, we, I like that, uh, you know, while she's fulfilling this other purpose, uh, she talks about how there is some confusion, even in the superhero ranks about this Zodiac character that is appearing as an antagonist in the pages of Moon Knight. We also get, um, the reappearance of eight ball uh from i i, I want to say from i don't remember where we last saw him yeah neither but but at the end of the day it's kind of fun that uh mckay grabs uh eight ball and has moon knight basically shake him down for information uh we move on from eight ball to another minor street character um, who I wasn't all that familiar with. Neither. Yeah, same me either. But apparently has had a history in the street level um, uh, villains that basically populate the pages of Daredevil and Spider-Man. And now we have Moon Knight adding, you know, adding to that kind of corner of the Marvel Universe, the street level heroes. Uh, this character may have been in the pages of Punisher too. Uh, you know, it's funny that Mark Spector does, does in fact shout out um, Spider-Man and the Punisher as kind of like the two polar opposites to where Moon Knight uh, lies in that particular spectrum. Mm-hmm. So uh, ultimately we get um, kind of a gruesome end to a character that uh, we thought we might see in the Hawkeye Disney series. And we find out uh, why uh, Tigra is, you know, what, you know, who is behind Tigra's um secondary purpose of helping out Mark Spector. And we do in fact get to see a little bit of Zodiac at the end of the, uh, uh, issue. You have anything to add? I was about to say, so I didn't think that that was the same version of that character that you said, meet the, the gruesome end that, uh, from the, from Hawkeye. I didn't actually pick up on that. Cause I thought it was like another, maybe another person coming, going by the same name. Hmm. 
So uh, that's interesting that you said that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the thing with Tigra, um, I guess in some way you could probably be like, you could probably say, oh, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Which it does now not that it's out there. Uh, of her of her other um her, of her other dealings or her, her side dealings in this matter um and also the fact that you know if anyone would have anything well tiger is going up against a version of zodiac the zodiac cartel as they as they say is because she was one of the avengers groups that that did, did going up against them that grant this is not the same or it doesn't seem to be the same affiliated with the same cartel or has anything to do that we don't know because there's like like even this book says like like there's stuff known about him but nothing known about him mm-hmm. so, so even as she's looking into information on uh on this it was like okay yeah like she would know what she knows about him but or at least about the 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 cartel the previous cartel and not necessarily this character but you know they don't know anything at all so but her dealings uh, her side dealings it was like oh yeah i guess that makes sense given what we know I guess if you infer some things from Moon Knight and past dealings, which he kind of does mention at the beginning of this uh, issue, uh, in the bar with no name, which takes guts, but then again, it's Moon Knight. He don't care. <laughs> he gives he, right. He gives no f's. Um, but overall, that yeah, um, like, it was a good issue. I thought, and um, I, I'm curious as to how some of this stuff is gonna pan out. I was about to say, were we going to talk? You know what we forgot to mention is that the trailer for Moon Knight dropped. Oh, no, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Oh, it's in the news. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a chance to scroll the news, so we'll Mm -hmm. talk about that shortly. Next up is Strange Academy number 15. It is written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos. Uh, Edgar Delgado is on... Uh, is the color artist, and VC's Clayton Cowles is the letterer. So we... uh, pick up almost where we left off at the, uh, you know, on the events of the previous issue. And, uh, you know, we, we get a little bit of, um, uh, a a little, uh, you know, more of a Harry Potter vibe, uh, at least in one sequence in this, uh, in this issue where we get a little bit of, uh, you know, defense against the dark arts kind of, uh, sequence here. And, uh, we find out that, uh, Calvin uh, did, in fact, go through with what we thought he did in the last issue, and um, the suspicions are uh, the, the suspicions of, of of what has happened um, are, are kind of peaked, and we find out that um, in this issue, at the end, you know, the cliffhanger in this issue is that the character that Calvin approached is looking to infiltrate Strange Academy. Yep. And also, never get high on your own supply. Pretty much. Um, yeah, definite defense against the dark arts uh, uh, sequences there. Yes, it definitely did pick up on that in the beginning. And, and as I said in the in the book, sometimes you know the best defense is a good is a good punch. <laughs> right against magic is a good punch. Um, right. But yeah, that whole sequence with Wong and uh, uh, um, uh, uh, magic also was was kind of fun with them uh, mm-hmm. demonstrating because <laughs> if you know the character of magic she is uh if she's anything you know she is definitely confident in her abilities so which kind of got the best of her in 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 the in the in the way but you know it was just it was a show off of thing so cool um strange academy you read this book no I was, oh oh i'm sorry no no, no you, that's you, it. you're that's still strange, talking about strange, strange academy 
You all done? Yep. All right. Last but not least, that's what I was trying to say. Last but not least for me is 10 Lives of Wolverine number one. So this is the mini event that is taking over or uh, are being published in place of Wolverine um, and maybe X-Force. Because this book is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Joshua Cassara, color artist is Frank Martin, and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So I'm not sure if X-Force is being published while uh, Ten Lives and Ten Deaths of Wolverine is being published. I'm not sure. But I know that Wolverine is on hiatus while this is going on. Right. Well, we, we know that most of the X-Books have either ended and or are or paused uh until what next month until march and not even yeah no some, there's going to be at least one two books uh, that's going to be restarted in the book and we know some some x books that are still coming so right. i would assume you're probably right that yeah x books is probably either paused or, or had ended right uh, well yeah exactly yeah specifically x force and wolverine i knew specifically wolverine was i'm not sure about x force right but uh the reason why i mention it and the reason why i put that up front is that if you have not read X-Force and Wolverine up until now, you may find yourself scratching your head just a touch, but not that much because Percy does, in fact, do a, a good job of setting up some of the stakes of what's going on um, because we have an idea that there is a version of a time heist here. But it's not a heist. There's definitely some elements of uh, time travel here. But there are also elements of stories that have been uh, going on through the pages of Wolverine and X-Force that uh, weave their way together into this story. And the ultimate crux is that Wolverine is uh, going through not just not just his past, but the past of another key figure in X-Men history. And uh, Wolverine's task is to prevent this character from, uh, at least in this issue, uh, you know, uh, experiencing an untimely demise. You know, and if Endgame taught us anything is that that's not how time works, but hey, you know, we'll roll with it. Indeed. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting, you know what? It's it's an interesting idea. I'd be willing to read more of this. I actually have not pulled this. So if I like this issue, if I like the second issue, I might go back and pick these up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't completely convinced that this was something I needed to pull into, put into my uh, pull list next week is the 10 deaths of Wolverine. So we're going to get five and five over the span of 10 weeks. Yeah. A la Hawks Fox. Um, mm-hmm. so worth noting, this is, uh, one of five, correct? As yes. You just said. Yeah. And, and yeah, like the, the deaths of, yeah, I'm slightly curious of the parallel between this, that book and then that book. Uh, but it's probably going to do more of this, I guess. And I'm not really reading this and I may check it out. I mean, I've read, I haven't been reading Wolverine, but I have been reading X-Force. Right. So I'm curious as to how much that's going to serve me in this if I do read it. Uh, that being said, though, are you, are you done with yours? 
Yes, I am done. Alrighty, what is going on to mind then? Uh, which I don't have uh, much left. Uh, the death of Doctor Strange, X Men, uh, and Black Knight. Uh, did you read us? No, there was this book. That I think there was a Devil's Reign book I wanted yeah. to read also. Right, yeah, there were two Devil's so, Reign uh, tie-ins uh, this week. Yeah, there was a there, there was a bunch. There were a bunch of books out this Very week, much. and there was just a little too much to read. Yeah, there was a couple of Star Wars books I kind of wanted to check out and didn't get a chance to, but it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, Death of Doctor Strange, uh, X-Men, Black Knight number one. Now you may be wondering why the Black Knight is here as opposed to this week's Eternals. If you're wondering, or maybe it's just me, but... <laughs> I skimmed this week's Eternals, but I'm so behind on Eternals yeah. that I've lost, I've kind of lost track of what's really going on. At some point, I'm going to sit down and kind of reread this entire run with the one shots because what I saw at the end of this week's Eternals is that it's going right into it's setting up the whole Avengers crossover. Right. Yes, and we'll talk about that in the news also because and we have talked about that in the news. Uh, right. We have mentioned that before. So you know, we're starting to see the first hints of the Avengers crossover in the pages of Eternals right now. Right. So, yeah, but like I said, more on that in a little bit. Uh, there's not really much to this book. Let's see. Um, so, first of all, uh, the creative team is written by Cy Spurrier, art by Bob Quinn, colors by Israel Silva, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Um, so, this is a revelation to me. Apparently, Dan Whitman has a daughter that he did not know about until recently. So I didn't know if you knew about this. No, you know, I'm not that familiar with Dane Whitman's uh, uh, history like that. So that's news to me. Yeah. So apparently this must have been something very recent because like I said, he, as they say in this book, like he just found out about her. So they are sharing the mantle of black, uh, black, black, uh, black knight, excuse me. Um, but uh, I guess their relationship is still new and there's trust issues as this thing is saying. And they don't necessarily get along, but that, well, they get along in the way that a, a strange parent and kid would, let's just say, I guess. Um, but it does get better near the end of it. But regardless, so um, they go into the situation that happens in London. So Death of Doctor Strange is, is a thing. Uh, because of that, the barriers around the world have uh, have um, collapsed because of uh, Doctor Strange's death, which brings about a threat that um, that happens in London. The X Men go in to investigate, and they get taken over uh, um, uh, some kind of way that I'm not entirely sure how how what happens, but they don't necessarily get into that. But regardless. Um, this is where this other black knight who whose man in the, who's um who Dane is the man in the chair um of his daughter uh kind of goes in to investigate and she kind of wants to do things her own way and you know and Dane Whitman being Dane you know being like overly cautious because you know he has a history of being slightly annoying himself uh they run into Faze Hussein which is one of my favorite characters uh who knows the black knight, but not this version of him, but doesn't really pick up on that until halfway through this, but they end up, um, saving the day. And, uh, with the help of the X-Men at the end of this, and at the end of this, they come to find out that there's, um, something else that we, that they, we didn't know about 
with um or that apparently is a revelation to um everyone but not necessarily said out loud to the people that probably needed to hear it uh in that uh there is something else with uh Dane's daughter that uh was not known um that the X-Men kind of pick up on because they have telepaths. Uh, also we get a little, I guess we get a little backstory into the, um, the, the, um, the relationship between the Ebony, uh, the Ebony sword and Excalibur, because as folks may or may not know, uh, Black Knight wields the Ebony, uh, Ebony sword, the Ebony blade and Phaser Hussein wields Excalibur at this point. And there's a, there's a dynamic that uh, has introduced I think introduced here uh, in this story that uh, is a thing. And that ends up playing into what happens at the end of it. But you can read for that for yourself. Uh, And whatever they're going to do with uh, these characters or or whatnot, then we'll see, you know, I guess at some point, someplace else, who knows. Uh, Next up, though, we have Black Manta number five of six. Actually, um, let me pull this up. Bing. Uh, creative team is Chuck Ryder, Chuck Brown, art by Valentine Delandro, colors by Marissa Louise, uh, letters by Clayton Cowles, not a VC at this, in, in this particular instance. So, the character of Devil Ray, who's been pretty much bucking for uh, Black Manta's mantle, we get some backstory into why he's after Black Manta. Um, uh, and what what is his beef with him? Uh, we also find uh, this character trying to recruit uh, Manta to do something for him at the same time. So there's, you know, uh, so the whole crux of this issue is pretty much like, like, okay, here's why he has a beef. Here's what we need. Here's what he needs uh, Manta from. And then there's a little side stuff with... Um, um, well, that's not even some side stuff. The, the most of it is that, and there's a couple of new characters that's kind of uh, in here doing a couple of things, like this, uh, or get put in the middle of the beef between Devil Ray and Manta. Um, as if you're watching the video version of this, you can see that at the top of this, there's a banner to the this series is a prelude to uh, Aquaman, which is a, a upcoming event that has to do with um, uh, Arthur Curry Aquaman. Uh, Jackson Hyde, Aqua, I guess he's Aqualite, I'm not sure, or, or he might be the new Aquaman, we don't know, who is Black Manta's son. None of that is necessarily um, dealt with here, but it sounds like what's going on in this book is going to lead up to something that's going to, uh, um, I guess, play into that miniseries, which I'm slightly curious about. The, the more I'm reading this issue. And uh, and I know Aquaman Becoming is a Jackson Hyde miniseries that is I think is also going to be um, uh, run into this Aquaman uh, miniseries. So, and I haven't read any of that yet, so I'm not sure how that plays into this. But regardless, this Black Manta series is was a curiosity and um, felt like I wanted to check it out. And here I, and, and uh, it's been good, pretty good so far. Or at least, like, if you don't really know that much about Black Manta outside of uh, seeing the Aquaman movie, that probably will, and you're curious, that may, you know, that may be enough for you. Don't know. 
next book is Nubia and the Amazons, number four of six. Uh, story by Stephanie Williams and Vida Ayala. Script by Stephanie Williams. Pencils by Aletha Martinez and Daryl Banks. Uh, inks by Mark Morales, Daryl Banks, and Aletha Martinez. Uh, and colors by Romulo uh, Fajardo Jr. And I can safely say that I have been loving the art in this book um, uh, while I've been reading the story also, but definitely uh, the art as, as well. So after the events of uh, last issue, um, Nubia finds out that uh, Medusa is still around and is in possession of one of the other Amazons' body. And this particular Amazon has had some past history with Nubia from a former life before coming to Themyscira. Um To which we get, we get um, a good bit into. Uh, at the same time, Nubia is dealing with... Um, trying to find someone to replace her old position guarding the door, which allowed um, Medusa to escape in the first place because there was somebody who was supposed to be guarding it. And uh, basically, people are um, have issues with her rule, let's put it this way, because at this point, she is the queen of Themyscira um, after getting, getting the tired old from Hippolyta. Um, in a story that actually I never read. I should probably check that out. But this is all also leading up to another uh, event with the Amazons and Wonder Woman uh, at some point in the future coming up. Um, that uh, And supposedly a big thing, but I know this is uh, at least the issue one of this uh, issue definitely alludes to that coming and whether this is going to fold into or whether how this is going to fold into that and possibly what's going on in wonder girl and wonder woman, which I haven't been reading. Well, wonder girl, definitely, but I've been reading, but wonder woman, I haven't been reading and whatever's leading up to this event, uh, is probably going to, um, um, bear out. I, I kind of, I love the story here. Uh, I was kind of funny because I, there was a mention of uh, an old magazine from from back in the seventies and eighties called Jet. Uh, Jet was you know Jet is pretty much a, a sister magazine to Ebony. If you are you know if you're a black person of a certain vintage, you know both of those books. And in one of those books, they had um, a Beauty of the Week, which is you know pretty much what it sounds like. And there was a um, a reference to that that I have never seen in you know in, in comics that I know of and before. So that right there kind of put a smile on my face. And I'm like, but knowing who the writer is, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I get that. She makes sense. She would know this. Uh, so that was a cool reference to see in, in a comic book. It's kind of funny also. Um, but at the same time, like I said, the, um, we see kind of this book kind of progressing forward to wherever it's going. Uh, into a showdown between Nubia and Medusa. And uh, in that showdown, we get the fact that uh, Nubia has a new weapon made out of her, which slightly almost looks like um, Wonder Girls to to a certain point, but not really. Or if you've played the game Soul Calibur, kind of like Ivy's Whip, 
sorta. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've been enjoying this uh, miniseries. I think you could probably read this without, without. Well, you probably would want some knowledge as to how Nubia became queen uh, of uh, the Amazons, but that is out there, and um, I can't remember what the story that was, but it was a one shot that came out like late last year or early last year or mid last year, I guess, to say that kind of set up a few storylines, including this one. So we shall see. Uh, last but not least, Icon and Rocket. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I got in rocket season two, excuse me, season one, number five, as I'm looking up the boop, there we go. The cover, um, written by Reginald Hudlin and Leon Chills, pencils by Doug Braithwaite, inks by Andrew Curry, colors by, uh, Brad Anderson and letters by and world design. So if you're if you don't know, uh, Icon and Rocket season one is a part of the, the Milestone Returns line, which is basically the reboot of the old Milestone comics uh, line from back in the eighties. That was um, that was done by Original Hudlin, um, Dwayne McDuffie, and and other folks. Um, so some a couple of books have been rebooted. Icon of Rocket being one of them. Static, of course, you know Static. Some of folks may know Static from the um, from the cartoon of the same name, Static Shock. Um, but it's the same universe that was slightly outside of the DC universe, but still within. So this is uh, a reboot of those that particular line of characters. Uh, in this issue, actually, there is a meeting of sorts of a couple of those characters because, and we did have not seen this before because, or at least unless it's something that played out in the original milestone books, I don't have that much of a familiar with, uh, the characters to that extent because I have a cursory, I like, I remember reading a couple of milestone books, but I never got fully into the line and obviously know about static from the cartoon. Um, and I kind of rock it. Well, Rocket specifically from like Justice League and Icon, I guess, at that point. Regardless, um Rocket in her in um in her in her um in plain clothes meets up with Virgil, aka Static, in school because apparently they go to the same school and which is why I say it was like, well, they've never seemed to have met before. So unless this was something that was inferred, because I guess they're they're in the same town definitely, but as far as I know, have never met each other before now. However, Virgil seems to know that Ra- Ra- Raquel is Rocket, and he tells her that he's uh, that he's static, trying to get some familiarity, and I guess, I don't know, trying to date her? I don't know if that's the case, but it's, he was kind of coming off a little strong uh, um, a, a little bit. Um, because she was being set by him and a couple other people whose uh, attentions uh, wanted of her, um, only to be taken away by somebody else who pretty much got her away from the situation, uh, but also put her into a nice little trap. Uh, and on the other side of this, Rocket is looking for this nemesis. I mean, not Rocket, uh, Icon, who basically is the Black Superman. You might as well say, but he he's also an alien. He's also super strong. While you know, super strong, you know, flies heat vision, super, you know, all that kind of good mess. Um, 
So he's kind of a Superman parallel. He's been on Earth for hundreds of years. Um, um, unlike Superman. So you know, he's seen slavery times and he's seen this and that and other. So um, he, he's um, um, had this nemesis who has also been around as long and they kind of fought each other standstill and that nemesis is back and they fought last uh, episode, last issue, but the the person got away and uh, Icon is now looking for him with the help of this other alien, presumably, I guess she's an alien named uh, Ziamira, who on one hand is helping uh, Icon, but also wants to recruit uh, Raquel, a.k.a. Rocket, for her group called the Love Corps, which is kind of funny to me. Um, And maybe, possibly, there's something going on in between those two uh, characters of uh, Icon and and uh, Mira, don't know. Uh, but they seem to be setting something like that up. And um, who's to see where that's going to go. But um, they also um, end up in, in a trap of sorts that was laid out by presumably this other, this nemesis of uh, uh, that um, that went after Raquel at the end of this issue. So we will see going, uh, in the next issue, uh, um, excuse me, in the next issue, what happens from that? I we would assume everybody's going to, um, survive, but like, we'll see. Uh, and that is it for me and my books. So clicks of the week. We did get a couple of, we did get a couple of clicks from our uh, absent uh, uh, hosts. And let's see, as I pull up the chat. So from Tim. Oh, wait, this is the wrong one. There we go. So from Tim, uh, he says She-Hulk is his click of the week. I didn't necessarily give any reasons as to why, but you know what? Hey, that's a good pick because as we talked about earlier, you know, uh, it's... It, um, it's a pretty good start to uh, the miniseries. And from Dirt, his is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 125. Let's pull that up there. And he says, um, let's see, they face off against the Teenage Mutant Punk Frogs, which if you're watching the video version, you can see the... Um, uh, the the cover of it says uh, it's the 80s indie explosion all over again I just hope the preteen dirty gene kung fu kangaroos and adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters and yes that, that was actually real groups um, or at least the last one I don't know about the first one are next so yeah the, for folks that don't know uh, after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of made the uh, kind of came out and became a indie uh, success back in the 80s there came a lot of offsprings, including adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. I don't know about this kangaroo group, so I'm kind of curious. Uh, I should check that out real quick and see if that was an actual group, but I don't have no reason to doubt <laughs> that um, that those were things. And apparently, yes. Yes, they are. 
preteen dirty jean kung fu kangaroos was a thing. I, I had never heard of this. And it very much didn't last that long. And apparently uh, one of the turtles starred in it or guest starred in it or something. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like it. And Peter, Peter Laird was involved with uh, a little bit of the art. Yeah. Uh, and the thing. So that's funny. You learn something new every day, folks. <laughs> uh, let's see. So yeah, so that's that, and um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is still a thing, Kyle pizza, all of that good stuff. Now, for myself, um, there was a lot of books this week, so, I, you know, it's, there's some stuff I still didn't get a chance to get around to that I kind of wish I did, like I kind of mentioned earlier, and like Agent 70 did earlier. Um... Which, depending on a particularly good week, kind of makes it hard to choose a book. Um, Strange Academy, I, I always, I'm always going to enjoy, and it was good this week. I mean, there wasn't a whole whole lot that happened to kind of further the story, but still good. Um, you know, Miles was what it was. Uh, newbie in the Amazon, I, I say people should read that book and definitely read Strange Academy. Um, I've been enjoying that Black Manta. I can't say that everybody would. I think probably the the bigger ones for this week, personally, um, are between She-Hulk number one and Silk number one. And I believe uh, Agent 70, if he were here right now, he would probably agree with me. Um... The art on Silk was great. Like, the story on on Silk was pretty good, uh, uh, and it's always fun. So, uh, did you already uh, do Clicks of the Week? I did Dirt's and, and Tim's, and I was kind of discussing mine. All right. So, you have you decided? Better? No, I'm still kind of going through which ones. As a matter of fact, I just said, it, like, if you were here, you would probably agree that the stronger books of the week... Or might possibly be between She-Hulk and Silk. I don't. Uh, I didn't want to speak for you, but you know. No, absolutely. I think. I think. I think She-Hulk number one was a really strong book, as was Silk number one. Um, I think that Nightwing number eighty-eight was a definite throwback issue, and um, is, despite the fact that the new Star brand was kind of annoying, that's kind of what we expect from teenagers. You know, like really sure. young, like tweens. And that's what we got in Avengers number 52. Um, almost Space so, Races also, but that's a whole other situation. <laughs> say again? So almost Space Races also up until the uh, the middle of that. Mm-hmm. You remember her, her little, um, her little, when she would kind of brush up against um, uh, Carol. Right, 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 right. Moon Knight wasn't bad either. This yeah, week. that is true. So there was a there was a there was a few good books uh, out this week, you know. And Strange Academy is always strong, and um, mm-hmm. you know it, it definitely has a, a, a strong continuity with the previous issue. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't a, a much of a gap at all in terms of the understanding between issues fourteen and fifteen of Strange Academy. Um, I'm gonna go with. Uh, 
<laughs> it's tough because I really did like the Nightwing issue this week because of the the nostalgia trip with the Titans. Right. And that was the group I was referring to. If you, if 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 the listeners and the viewers out there didn't get that, right. but um, I'm gonna go with. Ooh, this is a tough one. There's a, a few quality books out this week. I know. I think I'm actually gonna um, go with Tim and and uh, kind of go with my potential click of the week. That being of uh, She-Hulk, because as you said, yeah. it definitely was a strong book. Yeah, it was a strong. I, I think I'll agree with that. I thought that was a good. That was a good number one issue, even though it is a number one of five. Yeah. And fans of She-Hulk also, not just because of that, but it, it was definitely a good, you know, a good She-Hulk story, uh, as we as we know it to be. And actually, it really enough kind of makes me want to go back and read reread some of those old books. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I've finished reading like Slots Run, but uh, so I kind of definitely want to go back and check that other one out. But that's there are books actively coming out, so it's kind of going to be hard to do some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely want to check some of it out, especially before the the show happens. So you I said get you're it. going with uh, She-Hulk also? Yep. Okay, sweet. So there you go. Three way for She-Hulk and one for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from Dirt. All right, so we're going to go into uh, the news of the week, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start with the cinematic news as we do each week about this time. I don't know why I said it like that. Book of Boba Fett's Tamara Morrison open to playing Captain Rex and other clones. Which I guess makes sense because, you know, he was the voice. Um, so, yeah. Apparently, according to an interview with the Washington Post, Morrison listed out some of the more famous clones in both the Star Wars films and in the animated series. Uh, quote, well, there are people, I'm thinking of Captain Rex for one, uh, he looks a little like me, Morrison said. Uh, there's Commander Cody. What happened to those guys? They're all clone. They're, there's all those clone armies. Well, there were, but, you know, when, uh, anyway. That could, be, that could be something fresh and new and exciting. I feel like of those... From what we uh, came to find out in, and actually, you know what? I don't know if something happens uh, in season seven of Clone Wars because I still haven't watched that. But as far as we know, no, because they were still alive. Rex was still alive as a, in in Jedi. A, huh? Well, Rex yeah, was but alive also, in Jedi. Right. Wait, was he? 
he was uh, even though it's not it's it's not acknowledged he's not acknowledged to be but captain rex is supposed to be one of the rebels that are uh part of the force that uh invades endor in oh, Jedi. right that's right i do remember that. yes because i was about to say as of star wars rebels yes he definitely was around around which was before that um mm-hmm. but yes you're right they there there was that speculation that he was one of the rebels you're right so. Right, so it's tough because the voice in the in the, the voice in the cartoons is uh, D. Bradley Baker. Right, right, that's the voice that we know. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of the you know the the face, it's obviously based on what Tamara Morrison looked like back then. Right. So, so I mean, yeah, give him a little facial hair, and he could he could do it. So <laughs> he could play Rex if, if that if that's the case. What they would do for him, I don't know what was the case. Also, you mentioned D. Bradley Baker. He's in Peacemaker playing eagerly. Right. <laughs> so, you know, which not the first time there's been, you know, voice acting for an, an animal. Like we know um, uh, Frank Walker and um, is it Frank Walker or uh, yeah, Frank Walker does like Scooby-Doo and, and, and other, you know, other you know, those. So not outside or, or just animals in general and, and things. So it's kind of funny. Um, but regardless, so yeah, this this article is basically saying that yeah, I guess he said he he would be open to doing any of the uh, any of the clones, should there be a reason for those to come up, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, sure, why not? Next up, next up, Danny Trejo in a in in a spoiler for uh, episode three of the Book of Boba Fett shared a behind the scenes image featuring. Tamara Morrison and spoiler alert for episode three of the book of Boba Fett, a giant rancor head Mm -hmm. episode three of the Disney plus Boba Fett show finally brought in a rancor to uh, occupy the rancor pit in uh, Boba Fett's new palace or Jabba, Jabba the Hutt's old palace. Yes. Or the, the the monastery of whoever the, whoever Jabba took it from, right? Um, you can go down that line, but yeah, the, I thought this was a cool picture. And if you're watching the video version, you can see um, uh, Tamara Morrison and Danny Trio and the head, in 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 the, in the Twitter post. So that's cool. Always good to see Danny Trio in anything. Right, and we joked about it last week that, uh, you know, if Robert Rodriguez is around, can Dan Atreo really be far behind? Exactly. We definitely did say that. And, yeah, at this point, yes, that is true. Um, next up, though. is you. Oh, yeah. Um, Ironheart's villain removed to be major MCU bad guy. Uh, yeah, major Marvel bad guy. Wait, hold on. Retake. Uh, Ironheart's villain rumored to be a major Marvel bad guy's MCU debut. There we go. Uh, according to the Illuminati, Illuminati, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, a major villain in the in the Ironheart's Disney Plus show uh, is a white man in his late twenties who described as charming, magnetic, slick, and oily. Also, as handsome with an athletic build. That could be pretty much anybody i don't know what uh, so according to this article based on the description the speculation is parker robbins the hood i don't think any of that with parker with yeah i was about to say that's kind of a stretch yeah so and why would he going to be going up against uh 
Ironheart of all things. Like you, at the very least, well, like a, an Iron Man villain or or so you know. Well, they might. What it is is that they might harp on the uh, the origin of Riri Williams. You know, with like sure. either either organized crime or gangbangers or something like that. Well, her her dad, yeah, her dad and her best friend got killed by gangbangers. Goddamn Bendis! Um, <laughs> he watched. He watched. Uh, 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 what should we call it? Oh my god! I can't believe it's it's escaping me right now. Um, he watched. Uh, 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 oh, which I, I, while you're thinking of that, I did watch uh, t- uh, episode two of Naomi. That's that's all right. They they get into some stuff uh, with her. Episode two of what? Uh, Naomi. Oh Naomi, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's still kind of CW, but like I said, they're getting they're getting into some stuff about her character, which I yeah. still haven't read the the uh, the original uh, miniseries from her, which I need yeah. to get on. No, I was just gonna say it's it's too bad that uh, that uh, uh, Bendis was probably watching Boys in the Hood uh, yes. before that particular uh, origin story was drafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah, I mean, you know. And he had he had a little cube on, on on the brain, like you know what they don't know, they don't show. <laughs> yeah, which kind of one of the things with with Bendis. Now, granted, he also gave us Miles, but he also had some missteps with with that character, also. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that aside, um, yeah. So again, this is a rumor. We don't know how much it is uh, of this is the case. There could be something to it. We don't know. Um, it seems a weird fit. That's that's all I'm gonna say. But then again, they've done weird things in the MCU, you know, as we have seen. So, uh, but next up, all right, next up, Moon Knight. As Roddy Cat teased earlier, and as I was asking earlier, Moon Knight uh, had a trailer debut for the Disney Plus show on Monday night during the NFL Wild Card Playoff game this past uh, Monday night on ABC, and it showed us our best look yet at Oscar Isaac as as a a multiple personality, you know, suffering from the uh, uh, multiple personalities. And uh, we had our first glimpse of Ethan Hawke as the series' apparent main villain. The trailer also revealed that the show will be coming coming to Disney Plus on March 30th. Roddy Cat, what did you think? I enjoyed it. Like, um, I, I know there's been some, well, I definitely was amused by Oscar Isaac's, um, British accent. <laughs> I think he was also <laughs> cause so there's another video. There's, I think, uh, there's a video on Marvel entertainment's site where he and Ethan Hawke are reacting to the trailer. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Which is, is, is kind of amusing. Check it out. Um, but um, overall, I'm like, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know I've seen online, it's like, yeah, people are probably most anticipating this particular thing because of the way this trailer went off. Um, so I'm curious because of what they what they seemingly set up in this, uh, what this and especially knowing what little I do about uh, Moon Knight's, you know, backstory. Uh, and yeah, they did. They do set up the DID, aka the just uh, the, the multiple personality thing, and also, but yeah. they kind of go associative on a identity disorder. Exactly, and um, 
by assertion of the trailer, there seems to be not going with the quote unquote the main identity. Or maybe not right away. Seemingly, exactly, seemingly, because like I said, the, the, it's a trailer, so the, the, everything in the trailer might not even show up and might not even come into the um, actual right. show, or might not even be portrayed in the way that they're set it up. So exactly, it may not be portrayed in the order that we're seeing it in the trailer. Exactly. So what? So so I had a few comments on this. The okay, first thing it. is, it makes some sense that they would put the Stephen Grant character up front because. Mm-hmm. We would think that, you know, this character needed some money to come up with some of the gadgets that he's got. But then, but that's but the then, part about it. About no, 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 wait, 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 no, but no, hear me ahead. out. No, go ahead. But then we find out that the costume is not what we are used to. And that mm-hmm. part is, I think, the, to me, was the most confusing to me. Hmm. Because why start out with the Stephen Grant character right. when... You know, the whole point of the Stephen Grant character is to show how Moon Knight is able to finance his activities. Well, right? and, and OK, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. What's going but to no, but my point is, you know, they started with the, you know, with the, you know, with making him British, you know, whatever they made him British, you know, just to make it so that it was a little bit more hoity toity. Maybe he's a little bit more refined and <laughs> maybe more likely to be moneyed. But at the end of the day, I felt like. You know, it threw me a little bit that they portrayed the costume as being something else other than what we're used to. I kind of like that part, though. No, but it, no, but but I, I bumped on it because mm-hmm. why, you know, because, you know, at least what's implied is that the Stephen Grant character has some money. But, you know, it's, it's not shown yet, but. You know, not that it changes anything really about the character because it is it's still the you know the, that that particular aspect of the DID is still in place. Right. But my point being that adding that kind of supernatural costume effect, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously plays for a cool visual, but at the same time takes away from some of the elements of the character that we're that we're accustomed to in the comics, like the gadgets and the tech and the money that's behind it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. So on that part, with especially with the series, well, obviously part, we'll know we'll learn more when the series comes. But exactly. go on, exactly, yeah. But the part about him being like, yeah, we know the character is basically he's the Bruce Wayne uh, persona uh, for for Moonlight because if, if folks don't know, Moonlight's basically uh, Batman but with multiple personalities. Uh, Innocent. Right. That's 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 giving him kind of short shrift, but you know it, that's you know. A, a, a basic thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember too much about the Stephen Grant character, but the way they portrayed him here doesn't seem like he's all that money. I feel like he looked like he was working at the museum. So I can't imagine how much money that he would have to be if he's working at that particular museum. If that if that's the way they look like, and that's the way they're looking like they're portraying it. So I don't know if he actually does have that kind of money. I mean, maybe he does. And there's just something we're not seeing. Like, yeah, the place he's looking into could, could be an assertion, but, and they're playing him like he's, I was least probably freaking out. Cause I guess he's learning that you know, there's, there's, you know, he's got some stuff going on with him. Uh, and that's the way they're setting him up. But I don't know. I felt like that character probably would have had a little bit more assurance, uh, assuredness to mm-hmm. the portrayal, as opposed to what they're putting off here. Again, we, there's a lot we don't know because, this this uh, trailer only teases bits and pieces of, and we don't, as you said, 
don't really tease out the order of how things may even be playing out. So there's a lot we really don't know. So to, to kind of go into speculation to what's that even about is kind of weird. Like I said, and part of us, we're kind of going on what we already know about the character. Mm-hmm. But that being said, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't have a problem with the with the suit or the, the suit. I'm going to assume they're going to explain part of that. But I thought it was, like you said, it was definitely a cool effect. Like, sure, that may, they, they may be changing it a little bit to uh, from what we know about. You know, especially how the financing done or whatever the case may be. You know, we do know Mark Specter Specter is going to be a thing. I guess they're going to round about it if if it if it is playing off the way this uh, trailer is is asserting mm-hmm. it, um, as opposed to the other way around that we kind of know of from the comics. But yeah, like I said, we don't know, but we'll we'll find out. I'm we'll find out when it when it uh, pops off. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. That's for certain. Because the, the 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 visual styles of this is um, uh, kind of made me interested, you know. Uh, Oscar Isaac's portrayal we still kind of you know, don't know that much about outside of what we see in this um, trailer, and it says something, but not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So I, it only gives us a clue, exactly. You know, it only shows us what we might see in terms of the DID portrayal so mm-hmm. you know there's still so much to this and we only have a month and a half to wait for it yep which i guess that does make it the next show because i thought i don't well like a little bit like not quite two months right. not quite two months but that's the next that show way. and i guess what she hulk and miss marvel's probably gonna be later mm-hmm. in the year yeah i think miss marvel's like next year maybe but yeah i think so yeah so yeah looking forward to it regardless one way or the other uh next up though speaking of moon knight um moon knight actor gaspard yulil uh apologize if i um butchered that name uh dies in a ski accident um so yeah apparently gus uh gaspard yulil uh plays midnight man in moon knight uh but he you know, apparently passed away. I don't know whether, um, okay. It says here that his IMDB listing shows him as credited in all six episodes of season one. So we know there's going to be six episodes in season one. Um, and he's an obscure villain from, from, uh, the comics that he's, that he's supposedly playing. Um, but yeah, he had a ski accident and was pronounced dead after surgery, and uh, that's sad. I looked at this picture of this dude, and and I was like, this dude could straight up play, could have straight up played Gambit. Like, you, did you see the picture of him? I've seen a picture. Mm-hmm. Like that dude. Like if, if that wasn't a Gambit, like a '90s era as Gambit, that this dude could have straight up played. Like I don't know who else is, but. Uh, condolences to his family for for their loss, and um, yeah, that's a that's a crazy way to go. But again, you know, look, a lot of things are crazy way to go. So, right, but you know, it, it's it was just awful timing mm. based on when that news dropped, basically coinciding with the drop of the trailer. Right. So, and I'm sure they will do something in the course of the show um, to you know. To, to mention. Yeah, that's something they can add in post. Mm-hmm. So, next up, though. All righty. Uh, 
New evidence suggests that Marvel's Secret Invasion Disney Plus series is being produced under the working title Jambalaya. Rumors surrounding Secret Invasion's working title have been circulating since 2021, but a new report from the Halifax Courier stated that a Marvel project codenamed Jambalaya began on-location preparations in Halifax, England. The production was has booked the landmark Peace Hall building for January 24th through 31st and will shut down nearby streets beginning January 21st. According to the Courier, locals are already excited for the extra attention of Marvel Cinematic Universe production promises to bring. I love that because in New York, all that means is that there's probably going to be no parking and definitely more traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I'm sure there's some people there also. <laughs> also, uh, but yeah, the people are also excited for other reasons as to why uh, it's there in their town. So, cool. Uh, boop. Daredevil viewership spikes following Hawkeye's and Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home. No surprise. <laughs> Thankfully, Roddy Cat can talk about this now. Yes, indeed. And yes, and I saw it before I saw this article, so that was, that was also kind of amusing. Uh, which actually kind of was kind of funny. I've, like, Having been slightly spoiled on part of it, or at least this particular part of it, I was like, okay, I'm, I wasn't, I kind of went into it not necessarily thinking of when they were going to show it, but it, it showed up when the time they expected to, which was kind of early. Um, mm-hmm. So, spoiler alerts, if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home, yeah, uh, uh, Matt Murdock shows up. So, um, just kind of, just kind of comes in, comes in, comes out, but it was also a pretty good scene because, you know, <laughs> because of what what he does in there, um, which I assume now that he's officially in the MCU, and and also that we have uh, Kingpin also officially in the MCU, we'll see if they can get some of the others in, or, or and actually use them to affect. So, but yeah, like I said, uh, viewership went up, and I actually thought about trying to go back and watch uh, season two because I don't think I did of uh, Daredevil but I think I actually stopped um, during the Defenders so I feel like I got a little ways to go so, so hey congrats I guess congrats to Netflix also <laughs> something that they didn't have anything to do with wait so you stopped during season two of Daredevil or during season no, three? No I didn't I don't think I watched season two or I'm trying to remember if I did watch this well you saw ago. The Punisher right he was in season no. two um Okay, so I must have then. Uh, season two become before the Defenders. Yeah. Okay, then I did watch it, and uh, Defenders is where I stopped. Got it. So I didn't watch uh, Iron Fist season two. Didn't watch Punisher. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't watch season two of Jessica Jones. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that makes perfect sense because yeah. that's when it all starts to fall off anyway. Yeah. Or or wait, wait, season two elite. Luke Cage I didn't watch either now that I think about it yeah you're better off next up <laughs> Black Panther 2 pauses production after Lupita Nyong'o tests positive for COVID so um, it's not just Lupita but several other cast and crew members testing positive for COVID-19 the delay uh, comes on the heels of another 
with Nyong'o's co-star Letitia Wright having just recently returned to set following her recovery from a fractured shoulder and a concussion that she sustained in an incident on the film set in November of last year. The positive COVID test meant that production on Wakanda Forever was again halted a week, just a week after resuming, reported by The Hollywood Reporter. No details regarding the health of Nyong'o or the other cast and crew members were released. Hopefully, uh, she's vaxxed and won't have to deal with any bad side effects going forward. Right. Um, I'm starting to believe this, uh, this, this, this movie's cursed. Maybe. Cause it's, it's just been one thing after another. I've, you know, think, and even outside of yeah, COVID, uh, I was about to say COVID is, you know, it's, it's one of the things that if it was just being constantly, uh, stopped because of a COVID outbreak, then right. we'd understand. But because of the thing that happened to Letitia Wright being right. kind of outside of COVID, then I understand where you're coming from. And I mean, and Chadwick Boseman, even though you know, I don't think he there was no. He, yeah, I was about to say I don't think there was a script before right, he passed exactly, away when well. he passed. But yeah, we just knew that it was going to be a thing. But mm-hmm. so yeah, it, that's kind of crazy. So hopefully things shake out. So I think they're saying now. 2023 for this well actually this article is still saying november 11 2022 but it's possible not probable yeah but i'm thinking i I feel like i've seen somewhere else that it might be pushed to 2023 Mm -hmm. no it makes all the sense in the world for them to wait a little longer especially with these additional delays exactly so but we'll see how that works out next up um each world in spider-man across the spider-verse will have its own art style um, according to, I guess, Chris Miller, in an inter- in, in recent interview with Collider, I guess uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller both said that, uh, they spoke about their ambitious approach to Into the Spider versus follow-up. Uh, the writers tease that the fans who love the first film's groundbreaking visual- visuals will be in for yet another ambitious effort, according to Lord, in the first half of the two-part sequel. Uh, quote unquote, it is, as Phil said, an, a very ambitious sequel because we didn't want to use just, uh, we went to, didn't, didn't want to just sort of do the same thing again. Uh, Miller, who wrote the script and is producing the film, said, uh, and so the idea that we'd be going to different dimensions really opened up the opportunity artistically to have each world have its own art style and to be able to push the folks at Imageworks to develop a way to have each dimension feel like it was drawn by a different artist's hand. So, yeah. That's cool. I, I feel like if, if it's anything like the, the first film, it's going to be good. You know, if, if, the keep the, if the script keeps up and the art style is great. Ooh! I just see, seen some no more news for next week. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ever looking for news, folks. Um... But uh, yeah, so that thing, that's the thing is still a thing, and I'm still looking forward to this movie um, whenever it drops, or both movies whenever they drop. Next up. DC TV show Naomi introduced its own version of Superman. Has this already happened? Mm-hmm. Well, yes so and in no. An interview, what's that? Yes and no. It's a, they showed a glimpse of Superman, basically. Ah, so in an interview with Good Day Sacramento, Sacra Tomato, uh, as uh, the schmooze once uh, called Sacramento. So shout out to an old sports radio uh, talk show host I, 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 I loved listening to up until he retired recently. 
so in an interview with Good Day Sakura Tomato, star Casey Walfall said that the Man of Steel who appears in Naomi is not the same as the one played by actor Tyler Hoechlin in Superman and Lois. Naomi exists in her own universe, Walfall said. Tyler was not on set, but I'm excited, but she's excited for fans to see their version of Superman. At this time, it's not totally clear who plays Superman in Naomi or just how he'll factor into the rest of season one. I'm partially disappointed, but partially not, simply yeah. because, you know, uh, the Arrowverse to a certain extent have all existed in their own worlds and only cross over when it's um, crisis time. Right. So I understand that. Yeah. Not only that, but the, like the Arrowverse was separate from Supergirl up for until a certain point and also black lightning. And then they folded all of them together when they got on the same network. Uh, Right. During crisis time. Yeah, well, that all did, did kind they... of come together around that time. Yeah, but well, because remember, it's C- uh, because Supergirl was on CBS and then ended up coming over to the CW. Oh, that's right. You remember all that stuff. I, you know, I blocked all that stuff out. Um, I understand. Yeah. So, but but still, you're basically right. And then they all folded out of rubber, and it just so happened to be they folded. They did it around a crisis time. So yeah, the, what you said is still, mm-hmm. it's still right. So you know, the next time they do a crisis in the Arrowverse or the the whatever they choose to call it, now that there is no more Arrow, um, right. you know, they'll they'll probably fold Naomi into. We would hope. Yeah, we would hope. At the very least, the the Superman and Lois show. <clears throat> You know, tie those two together, some you know, mm-hmm. uh, somehow. Even though it's just going to have its own Superman. Um. So yeah, like I said, we'll see. We'll see. Um. Oops. New superhero series starring David Ramsey in development at the CW. Speaking of the Arrowverse, uh, or what was the Arrowverse? Uh, it looks like John Diggle will return to the franchise full time for Justice U, which is currently in development at the at the CW. Uh, Digg is set to transition from superhero to mentor as he helps new fig- heroes figure out their powers and path. So it's basically Teen Titans Academy, aka Strange Academy, aka <laughs> uh, Hero High, aka My right. Hero Academia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Roll all of that into the same thing. Uh, quote, unquote, after spending years fighting alongside masked heroes, John Diggle embarks on a new mission to recruit five young med humans to live undercover as freshmen at a uh, prestigious university. I guess also. Oh, uh, it's my Justice. hero cross with 21 Jump Street. Right. And and I guess uh, um, uh, Young Justice. Yeah. Uh, there he will oversee their education and train them to become the heroes of tomorrow. Not to be confused with the legends. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let's see. That's, I think, well, this article kind of goes into you know, speculation of his own, I guess. Um, oh, and does say that, yeah, Diggle's been, Diggs has been kind of uh, still on the Arrowverse shows, you know, because I guess he was on The Flash, Batwoman, Legends of Tomorrow, and Superman and Lois. So, still been around. Which makes sense, because I think Black Knight showed up on that uh, Flash, the last Flash thing not saying that that those two equate but i'm just saying they you know like lightning show is over arrows over and they still have characters from from the show still kind of coming through every now and then Mm -hmm. so i and uh, this article goes on to say that they need to do something about that uh green arrow tease that they did at the end of arrow which i very much doubt they're going to do so (laughs) that's wishful thinking anyway next up 
Next up, uh, after years of anticipation, Batgirl is finally headed to the DC Extended Universe with Leslie Grace set to portray the iconic superheroine in an HBO Max exclusive film. Production is well underway on the live-action Batgirl project, and now there is a first look at what Grace will look like in costume. On this past Friday, Grace took to social media to share the first official photo of herself in the costume, That uh, and you can check that out on the website that Roddy Cat is sharing. Yep, yep. Uh, boom, there it is. Ta-da! Looks relatively comic accurate as far as I can tell, at least currently, anyway, as far as I can tell. So, cool. I think that's a, this is a HBO Max-only thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, exclusively, just, uh, later, at a later date, exclusive on HBO Max, so, guess check it out whenever. Um... The uh, new DC movie finally arrives on HBO Max. Uh, then Justice movie has just hit um, HBO Max. That's pretty much what this is. So if y'all didn't know, uh, Injustice is the um, the animated version of Injustice Gods Among Us, uh, the the video game turned book um, that could have possibly been a great just um, a better movie than Justice League if they had gone down that route. But they did not. Thanks, DC. But regardless, um, it's out there now. I, I did happen to see it on HBO Max. It is on. If I remember correctly, I feel like I've seen people saying that they kind of made a couple of changes uh, on this one, a lot of what they did with um, the Killing Joke, aka not necessarily good changes. But I have mm-hmm. not seen this one myself to know if that's the case. Like, I know enough about Injustice to kind of be able to spot it at the very least. But I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. We'll see whenever I do watch it. But it's out there for folks who, if you have HBO Max. Next up. All right. So Joss Whedon responded to Justice League accusations uh, for the first time in a sit-down interview with a reporter from New York Magazine. And you can read this article on Vulture. And... Uh, you know, we're not going to go into it. It's actually a pretty long read. I wanted to try to read it, and I started, like, I only got about, like, a third of the way through. But apparently, Whedon does, in fact, respond, and he says some things that you just shouldn't say. And so a lot of people are taking, uh, you know, taking Whedon to task for even, you know, even if you believe this stuff, this stuff you just shouldn't say in public. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a, an incredible uh, continuous fall for Joss Whedon in the eyes of uh, uh, of genre fans and fandom. Mm-hmm. And as people, I've seen people on Twitter pointing out, he's had two two years uh, um, to, to 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 get a story straight, and this is this is the kind of stuff he came out with. So yeah, it's 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 kind of bad. Anyway, um, Peacemaker shot five episodes before changing vigilante actors. Apparently, uh, so the Peacemaker had um, a vigilante that was played by Chris Conrad, but was replaced by Freddie Stroma. Uh, and a, it seems as though, like I said, they like it says they had already shot five and a half episodes. Um, uh, according to James Gunn, uh, but we're on different pages about certain things, and I don't think he wanted to continue on the series in the long run. So they brought in Freddy, uh, five and a half issues in, and they reshot all the all the scenes. So it's a, so it's kind of a back to the back to the future situation. 
if you've ever seen the the movies that made us. Um, and <laughs> it's a good series. I'm so glad that Roddy Cat can make that reference because oh, yeah. I love those. I love those toys that made us, movies that made us from uh, Nacelle mm-hmm. uh, Productions. Those are yeah. awesome. Yeah, the, that Cinderseat one also was pretty good, or at least from what I've seen of it, was also pretty good by them. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's really good stuff. Y'all should definitely check it out. Uh, with the exception of that one I just mentioned, they're on Netflix. Check it out. Um, but, yeah, so apparently the Screen Rant was the first person to ask um, about this uh, the, the, the reshoots, reshoots or whatever. Um, so I guess they found out some kind of way. Um... But yeah, apparently that was a thing. We didn't didn't know about this previous to this. So, cool. Next. Super, the Supernatural alum Jensen Ackles says he and Warner Brothers are in the process of, de- of developing a new DC project together, though the actor is keeping tight-lipped on the details. During a recent episode of Smallville alum Michael Rosenbaum's Inside of You podcast, Rosenbaum asked Ackles if there was one Marvel or DC movie he would like to be involved in, and he says, well, there is. There is a DC property that he's currently developing and some other good partners that he's got his fingers crossed for. Uh, so, you know, that's a little, little bit of a scoop that, uh, Rosenbaum's inside of you podcast got. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he's type lipped about it cause he didn't, he said he wasn't going to say anything about it. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to who he, it would be. Um, I feel like it would be easy to say Green Lantern. Uh, this picture is saying Batman. I don't know if that's the article writer doing this or... You know, or that is something that might have been hinted at in the course of the thing, but sure, whatever. <laughs> I mean, well, Jensen Echoes has voiced Batman, so we do know that part, but we don't necessarily know if that's what he, what the project is. So that might be why that picture was up if you're watching the video version. Anyway, uh, Paramount Plus's Big Nate uh, announces premiere date with official trailer. So the first eight uh, episodes of Big Nate will uh, air on Paramount Plus on February seventeenth, with Jack Black appraising the uh, appearing, excuse me, as a special guest star for the series premiere titled uh, "The Legend of Gunting." Uh, the the animated original series is based off of best-selling children's books and a comic strip from author and cartoonist Lincoln Pierce, uh, who serves as a series consultant. Uh, a first look of the series will air, well, has aired, excuse me, on January 16th during halftime at Nickelodeon and CBS Sports' NFL wildcard game on Nickelodeon. So by this point, uh, you would have already seen that because that was days ago. And I remember the strip because I've watched the strip. I don't know if I'd watch the show, um, but that strip was actually kind of cool. I liked it. Next. Paramount Plus uh, announced that Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Lower Decks, and also ahead of its debut, Star Trek Strange New Worlds have all been renewed for new seasons. In addition, the premiere date for season two of Star Trek Picard was revealed, as well as the on-air schedule for the rest of season one of Star Trek Prodigy and season four of Star Trek Discovery. So, Picard comes back on March 3rd. And new episodes are going to drop weekly. Mm-hmm. So possibly look forward to, to us talking about that when that happens. 
We'll see. We'll see. We did do uh, Treasure Edition on episode one, which is back there in the archives, so you can go check that out. Um, wait, did we do it? Yeah, we did. We did. We did. We'll see. I mean, I, are you subscribing to Paramount Plus? I am, yes. Oh, I am not. And that's, so. per, and that's because I forgot to cancel it. <laughs> and plus, honestly, I did want to watch Discovery, which I granted if I, you know, use other means, I could probably do, you know, in, in, in elsewhere and not necessarily pay for it. But, you know, since I got that's it, true. I might as well go ahead and go ahead and uh, plunk down on And some, a couple of these other Star Trek series also. Sure. While I, while I still got it. Anyway, uh, Hopefully this is not a spoiler for uh, Agent Seventy. But What's that? The the next uh, next. Oh no, I'm I'm up to date. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Demon Slayer channels Daredevil with um, Tingen's uh, new power, which I don't know. This is kind of not news, but it is news, I guess, in a way. Um, because so, if you don't know, Demon Slayer is you know it's it's um it's a show. Y'all know what Demon Slayer is. I'm not even going to get into all that. But basically, one of the ninja's uh, uh, main thing is sound. You know, everybody. Right, he's gotta... the sound Hashira. Exactly. So it's so, uh, you know yeah. it's it's a interesting way because you know we're all kind of wondering like what you know like the the flame Hashira Rengoku that we saw in Mugen Train. Oh. You know his his his. Uh, his area of expertise is is obviously pretty fairly easy to mm-hmm. uh, render and portray, but we were all, I, you know, I, I count myself among them when I say we all. I think most of the fandom was trying to figure out what they would do for uh, Uzui, for Tengen's power. Right, like how and, to manifest it. Yeah. You know, how to portray that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, because I was kind of curious about, like... Because we knew one of the characters got good hearing, so we probably wouldn't just go with that, you know. Um, like everybody's got something about him, you know, so a couple of things uh, about him. And in this case, this dude's got three wires and he can ping. <laughs> right, and, I mean, and and also he is so pretty that uh, one of the villains is jealous. Yes, yes. Um. Which, yeah, that whole thing, I was like, okay, this seemed like seemed like this was about to go to an end, and then that happened when the other character shows up. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, no, that was a surprise. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, we're not going to belabor yeah, the point wrong. because, you know, this episode really is, you know, not quite a week old. So, you know, there's still people catching up. Exactly. But um, this is one of those uh, manga adaptations that, is that actually has a complete set of source material. Yes. The manga is lo- kind of long de- long done now. Yes. So, um, you know, you can, of course, read ahead. Um, I, you know, I, did we talk about this on the show last week or before about how I'm kind of coming around to the idea of reading ahead in the manga anyway because sometimes it's still a... a a different experience, even right. though you're probably going to get spoiled on a lot of big plot points that would play a lot better if you were unspoiled in a sense by, uh, by the manga. But at the same time, you're getting a different experience and, and, and you're kind of looking at a different way of executing the story when, uh, you're ahead in the manga and then watching the anime catch up. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like you said, yeah, they, they could very well still 
straight in parts on the, on the, even though it they they will definitely take it from the manga, but they could stray in how they how they do it, like you said. So yeah, we don't necessarily know. But you did mention that you were reading stuff, and, and you were actually I think you were reading My Hero ahead. Yeah, no, I'm definitely ahead. I'm up to date on My Hero, so I'm ahead on My Hero by a lot. Right, and I am trying to catch up on Attack on Titan. Right. You know, I'm, I'm I'm in the process of reading the Attack on Titan uh, manga. Right. But you've not read any Demon Slayer manga of the... No. Yeah, okay. So, no. So you just have to get get running on it. So if you were to, mm-hmm. going to do that. And actually, that's that's kind of a thing I was thinking about myself. I'm like, yeah, like you and I said, that the, even at the, the first show of the year, like kind of catching up on some stuff or reading some other stuff, like definitely getting into manga is something I've been kind of wanting to do. Uh, right. I mean, it's 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 weird because catching on to new manga, I think, is still going to be a little difficult. And I feel like we're going to be like the MCU fans who catch up on the comics because of the movies. We're catching up on the manga because of the anime. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the deciding part, though, because like we have a history with comic books, so we kind of know a lot of the stuff that's going on. Like seeing stuff and stuff that we don't know that we're seeing in animated form before the written stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of exciting, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's my point. You know, it's like we turned into we turn into the uh, the MCU fans mm-hmm. as opposed to the comic book fans, right? So, right, right. But right. Uh, anyway, next up, uh, Spy X Family, sure. <laughs> cleans up in new TV anime visual goods. Okay. Some days the spy mission includes taking down governments and other days it's mopping the floors of your apartment with your family. Those days are shown off in the new often new goods for the Spy X Family TV anime which features a new visual of the forgers cleaning up their mission headquarters, their family home. Okay. Yeah, that could be Spy Town's family, it could be Spy X Family. I'm not sure how to pronounce it cuz even with Hunter Hunter or it could be just a spy family, but, you know, with the X in Because, like, I know some people call Hunter X Hunter or Hunter Hunter and without the X in the middle. But, or mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, regardless, like, this is kind of a, uh, this is a, uh, uh, anime I'm kind of looking oh, forward to. Oh, this is merch. The goods they're talking about are merch. Right. Oh, okay. But it's, but it is, but it's, um, right. Because there's, a, there's, it's from the anime that's coming up. And I believe there's also manga out there for it. Uh, and I've heard good things about it and I'm kind of curious about it. So basically, if you okay. don't know the story about this, it's basically uh, a family of spies who I don't think they know each other are spies, uh, but they're a family, and they're uh, or maybe they know that they're spies, but they still stuff about each other they don't know, uh, and they have to come together as a family union to do uh, this mission. Ah, so it's Mister and Mrs. and 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 kinda. and daughter Smith, kinda. Interesting, and they all have different uh, skill sets. I think the daughter is a is a telepath, so she can read minds, and you know, the, and the, the the father and the mom are both, you know, I guess badass spies in in their own respects, and they have to come together okay. as a family, even though they're not actual. You know, there's no actual bond there. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, so it's interesting. I know uh, a few people are looking forward to it. Like I said, I am too. So we'll see. What happens? It's not necessarily cartoon or comic related, but you know, it's you know, we have dipped dipped into anime and manga as we if we have shown. So it's, sometimes it's good to check out some stuff. Speaking of Shinmu anime premieres uh, February fifth on Crunchyroll. So if folks don't know, Shinmu is a uh, um, 
It's a video game series. Uh, kind of like Yakuza. Actually, it comes before the Yakuza series, but made by uh, uh, Sega. Just, just, just the same, and I guess it does Sarah share some DNA with the exception of some things. Some would argue it's a little slower. Uh, definitely a different story story than the uh, Yakuza games were. Now there's an anime uh, series about it after X amount of years because, well, to be fair, uh, Shinmu 3, 3 did come out, what, last year, year before last, but still. Um, but the story of Shinmu is uh, the story of uh, Ryo Hazuki, who is looking for the his father's killer. So he's always looking for semen. Don't, <laughs> that's that's an inside joke. Don't, don't even, <laughs> if you know about the series, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, right, I only know a little bit about it. My understanding was uh, it was definitely a kind of a a, a role playing video game. There's yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's, like, like choices RPG and stuff, and yeah, a quick time events and stuff like that in it. Yeah. Right. So I had a I, I have a cousin who's uh, who's a, a gigantic a gigantic fan. Same cousin who's on Craig of the Creek. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> who who. Uh, who 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 absolutely love that Shinmu Sega uh, series of games? Oh, actually, we got some Cricket of Creek news coming up. Um, so maybe maybe because this is part of it, but um, yeah, that's funny. All right, so I've got the next story. So yes. Amazon's upcoming Lord of the Rings series finally has a name, and it's apparently a good one. Yeah. Set during. The Second Age, thousands of years before the events of The Lord of the Rings, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, will tell the story of how the titular Rings of Power were first forged and divvied up amongst Middle-Earth's races. The new series' title, along with a forging-focused teaser video, alludes to how the Rings' creation were both tied to the re-emergence of a long-dormant evil in the world and to the subsequent hardships that the world of men elves and dwarves would end up facing in the future okay so part of me was like when i read this i'm like we already got that in the narration at the beginning of fellowship of the rings we don't need this but i also know i recognize that yeah this is going to go further into the power dynamic and all that kind of goodness in this so i still don't think it's probably necessary but whatever i may actually watch it I still need to watch a couple of Hobbit movies, but that's another situation. Uh, last bit for the uh, cinematic news. Speaking of what I just mentioned, Crack of the Creek is creating a spinoff, a new movie, and a fifth season. Which, by the way, the fourth season has just dropped on um, on Cartoon Network, or at least ten episodes or eight episodes, because two were already out on Cartoon Network app. So if you have access to Cartoon Network, you can watch those. They're not uh, season three. I think just dropped on. HBO Max. So if you haven't caught up on season three, you can check HBO Max. Craig of the Creek is a great show. I love that show. Um, and as we just, you know, as we just heard, Agent Seventy has a cousin who um, has uh, ties to the show in more ways than one. Yeah, like literally has a recurring <laughs> named role. Yes. Which hasn't shown up in, in season four yet, but, you know, I'll, I'll let you know if he does. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, so, so three things. Craig and Creek's getting a movie uh, next year. Uh, Craig's sister, Jess, little sister Jessica, is getting her own spinoff TV show. I think it's a miniseries uh, called Jessica's Little Big World. That's also coming next year. And season five, uh, which I... Do they already have a date for season five? Or just, it's also coming uh, next year, 2023. So I'm glad. Because like I said, this is a, is a great show. Uh, and you sh- folks should watch it, I think. That's, that's all I'll say about that. It's, it's, a, it's a very fun show, and it's cool. 
Uh, and that is, and as uh, the byline says, it's just like he drew it, which way to go, Charles Pulliam Moore. Um, and that's it for the cinematic news. I am going to say before we get into the, 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 um, the comic book news real quick, check out the clickbait sections. There's some stuff in there, such as the top 25 best anime series of all time, according to IGN. If you're so interested in that. Uh, there's also uh, solicitations from Marvel and a couple other places that uh, have come out. Well, Marvel came out today, and I think Archie came out today. I don't know. DC hasn't still come out yet, but um, maybe by next year, next week, excuse me, um, it will. But Marvel solicits uh, for April is out there in the in the show notes if you are so inclined. There's also, a, I almost didn't bring this up, but um, there's a, a Peacemaker story in the... Um, that in 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 the clickbait section that's kind of rubbed me slightly the wrong way um in a way i won't go into it but it's basically about the the uh the opening number <laughs> for peacemaker if you've seen the opening number the opening uh, number of uh, peacemaker which song i can't get out of my head um and you're interested you can go check out that article that said let's go into the comic book news Uh, Dark Horse Comic unveils a graphic novel from Oscar winners Trayvon Free and Martin, Martin Desmond Rowe, and I believe it is called Black Solstice. It will publish next December, and it'll be um, illustrated by Aramo Massa and picks up uh, following a winter solstice, which uh, saw the world transformed when every black person in America gains superpowers, which kind of sounds familiar. Um... Uh, powers that gave an unthinkable amount of hope, but then disappeared uh, the following morning. Now, with only three days before the next winter solstice, the entire nation is holding its breath, waiting to see if the the powers will return. Okay, that's kind of a difference. And th- what I'm talking about is like there is a series called Black, which in in which is a world where black people only get super, or are the only ones that get superpowers. Um, so that's a differentiation. Uh, like I said, December 20, uh, yeah, that is, that's coming, uh, next December. Next up. Next up in some sad news, uh, prolific comic book historian and writer, uh, Ron Goulart died on January 13th at the age of 89. Goulart was an award-winning mystery and sci-fi writer publishing a number of comic book stories for Marvel Comics. His work appeared in the pages of titles such as Vampire Tales, Journey into Mystery, and more. Um, you know, he died in, uh, after, after having had to move to assisted living for the last month. Um, Goulart was also known for his works chronicling comic book history in published encyclopedias, such as Ron Goulart's Great History of Comic Books, published in 1986, and the substantial comic book encyclopedia, The Ultimate Guide to Characters, Graphic Novels, Writers, and Artists in the Comic Book Universe from 2004. Okay. Um, next up, Marvel's Dark Age restores a legendary mar- uh, marriage. Uh, I have not been reading this, but um, so in Tom Taylor and Ibn Coelho's Dark Ages, the limited series that tells the story of what would happen if the entire world lost electricity and power, altering day to day life as it was it was was known to everyone. Also, a familiar storyline. If you go to the DC camp, we're not going to talk about that. Um, 
Villains in Europe scheme to bring about the apocalypse, causing refugees to flee the continent uh, to Africa, where they are greeted by the X-Men Storm, uh, apparently in a preview for Dark Ages number four, which I think came out last week. Storm is not only revealed to be still alive in this version of the Marvel Universe, but is married to her former lover, King T'Challa of Wakanda, the Black Panther. So, cool! Yay! And and folks who know me well, know Roddy Cat well, knows that that's the basic reason why I pulled the story. Next! Marvel continues to give more details about the shape of the X-Men line come April with the new Destiny of X era. The company is now teasing the next step in the world of Captain Britain and Otherworld as Tinny Howard continues her work that began in the pages of her Excalibur run with artist Marcus Toe with a new series, Knights of X, now with artist Bob Quinn. Uh, the series is going to follow Captain Britain, Betsy Braddock, as she fights back against Merlin and his right-hand man, King Arthur. And um, Betsy is going to be aided in her quest by Richter, Shatterstar, Gambit, Rachel Summers, Bay, the Blood Moon, Gloriana, and two other surprise characters. Okay. Yeah, I guess um, um, uh, Shogo is going to stick around also without Jubilee. Or at least according to this, uh, or presumably by this cover. So, okay. Um, Marvel's Avengers X-Men and Eternals War kicks off with Captain America versus Kingo, which we alluded to earlier. Um, this is coming from the solicits that, uh, and well, kind of coming from the solicits, but we already knew about Judgment Day was the thing that's coming, and that's the three-way war between the Avengers of Eternals and X-Men, as said. Uh, and in April's solicitations for Eternals 11 suggest that uh, this that the conflict is getting a lot closer uh, with the cover of the issue even including a special cover logo stating Judgment Day is coming uh, and it, if I guess if this is the cover yeah it shows uh, Captain America Steve Rogers and Kingo from the Eternals seemingly squaring off seemingly around um uh, uh, Avengers Mountain, which we know they're going to be going to, which at some point, which are, they may be already close to now that I think about it. Next. Captain America, Sam Wilson, and Steve Rogers land two solo Marvel series. So this is highlighted in the uh, new solicits that just came out. That's Marvel right. Comics has announced these two new Captain America titles, which see both Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers taking on the title. As revealed by Entertainment Weekly, a new one-shot titled Captain America Number 0 releases in April. The title, which will be by writers Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, uh, former guests of the Comic Book Chronicles, and Tochi Onyabuchi and artist Mattia De Ulis, explore why there are two Captain Americas. Okay. I mean, we don't feel like at this point we don't need to do that, but sure. Yeah. Um, there was also a trailer, which I believe is attached to this article uh, that I saw on YouTube. Uh, with this announcement. So you should check out the trailer. It's kind of cool. Um, the most punk rock Spider-Man finally gets his own Marvel series. Um, so yes, Spider-Punk is getting his own book. Uh, it is a five-part miniseries that's going to be written by Cody Ziegler uh, and artist Wong, uh, excuse me, uh, Justin Mason. Uh, let's see See, so far, the, the anarchist uh, arachnid has taken on a third of 
authoritative overlord incarnations of the Green Goblin, Vulture, and Kang the Conqueror. He's teamed up with his spider brethren several times over, but uh, we'll get more a more focused look on him and his dystopian world. And then the article goes on to uh, um, talk with uh, Cody Ziegler about the the, the whole uh, thing. So, yeah. Spider-Punk's getting his own miniseries, and it's uh, I think it's in April. Yes. So you can check that out if you care. Next. Starting this April, Marvel Comics is reprinting its hit 2017 original graphic novel, Deadpool Bad Blood as a limited series. Originally published on May 17, 2017, Deadpool Bad Blood was the Merc with a, with a Mouth's very first original graphic novel. It was written by Chris Sims and Chad Bowers from a story by Deadpool co-creator Rob Liefeld. Okay. Liefeld did, in fact, pencil the book. So, yeah, this is them breaking it up and making it a serialized uh, miniseries. That's cool. Yeah. I know I've met I think we had them on the show, have we not? I know I've met one of them. I think I've met both of them now that I think about it, because they were here. They they were they were local to me. Um, but Chris I, Sims I, and Chad Bowers. Yeah, I can't remember. If we yeah, had I them haven't. The show, I don't think I don't think they've been guests on the show. Yeah, but I know I've met them. I've met them. So um, that's yeah, cool. Whether we had them on the show is going. Yeah, it seems cool. And I've seen them at uh, conventions also. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's cool for them. Uh, I believe they also did that X-Men 97 uh, series from a, from a couple of years back, which was not bad. Um, Jonathan Hickman and Chris Bacalo or Bacalo kick off a new Moon Knight anthology. Uh, obviously, just in time for the show to come out. Uh, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood will have short stories by uh, Jonathan Hickman and Bacalo, uh, Mark Guggenheim and George Fornes, and Mariwa Ayodele and artist uh, Dotan Akanda. Uh, Hickman and Bacalo's story will introduce a new Moon Knight taking place sometime in the near future, uh, but apparently unrelated to the, the recently introduced other Fist of Kanshu, Hunter's Moon, uh, introduced in the main Moon Knight story. That's so bad. That's the, the recent book that we were talking about earlier. Um. So, yeah, that's going to be, well, it's in the solicit, so it's going to be in April, uh, when, uh, April, but not exact date. So, next up. A new entry in DC's Sandman Universe imprint entitled Nightmare Country will release in April, focusing on the deadly nightmare known as the Corinthian. First teased on the DC Twitter account and now fully unveiled by the Hollywood Reporter, Nightmare Country focuses on the Corinthian era, on the Corinthian that is, as he travels across America on the hunt for another nightmare, coming into contact with everyone from white supremacists to two deadly killers dubbed Mr. Agony and Mr. Ecstasy, who will serve as new players in the Sandman mythos. The series, written by James Tinney in the fourth and penciled by Lissandro Esterin, Esterin, also features guest artists every issue to draw dream sequences. Okay. He probably won't be rich or leathery. Which is, oh god, which is a callback. The Corinthian. That's funny. <laughs> which is a callback for people of a certain vintage. Um. DC announces, <laughs> DC announces plan to kill the Justice League by murdering major characters, apparently. Um, this is ahead of the uh, April solicits, but I do know this is, this, this, this is going to come out there. 
so according to Entertainment Weekly, Justice League 75, written by Joshua Williamson with art by uh, Rafa Sandoval and Alejandro Sanchez, will be the final issue of the series and it will culminate, uh, culminate excuse me, in the death of the premier DC superhero team. And apparently a bunch of characters uh, in, in, uh, are going to die off in the, the battle here. So, quote-unquote, it's very serious. It's an interesting opportunity to, to do this on the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman, which happened in Superman 75. Uh, we get to take Justice League 775 and do Death of the Justice League. We want people to understand this is serious and this is going to have a major impact in the DCU going forward. Also, I feel like this may or may not have something to do with uh, Future State. Because I feel like we got shades of like, hey, the Justice League are dead and then uh, or gone or something happened to the Justice League uh, in Future State when we got that new team of Justice League uh, around the time. But we never got to find out what actually happened to them. I I am assuming this is it. Now, whether they planned it that far in France and that is indeed the case, don't know. And I don't think anything here is saying such an of, of the case, but I think that was one of the few plots uh, plots that didn't seem to be resolved in Future State at this point. But Justice League 75 goes on sale a- April 19th. The worst part of this story? What's that? Death of Superman was 30 years, 30 years ago this year. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I, know. I know. And your black and, and, and the black polybag uh 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 comic is probably only worth five bucks for you if you uh Jeez, bought one man. or two or twenty. Oof. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you have one? I don't think I ever got one. I remember being in a bookstore reading the Death of Superman, but I wasn't uh but I didn't actually collected or had the foresight to get it i don't remember. got it no i got i was gonna say i got two copies i got one to keep and one to one to open nice but i definitely did not want to invest anything more than that right a high school kid so it's not like i had dough i was just like you know what let me let me get two right because thinking that it was going to be worth something and you know may or may not realizing at the time as a holy hill they killed superman and people people did not like this <laughs> which is actually kind I mean of at the end of the day as a comic book reader and a collector at that time even though you know I was still only in high school I've been reading for a while obviously True. right so I knew what it meant for something to be worth x number of thousands of dollars and for something to be worth five dollars right so I knew it wasn't going to be worth that much but at the same time it, no the novelty is worth getting oh no doubt it's absolutely worth getting, you know, getting a copy for the novelty. So, mm-hmm. and you know, no just... regrets on my end because I didn't try to invest in it for like, you know, my future savings, you know? <laughs> right. And actually, speaking of, uh, if folks out there who are young enough to not to know, because there definitely are people younger than 30 years, um, uh, know about the story behind the death of Superman, uh, you can get a glimpse of it if you watch that Slugfest uh, docu-series that's on Roku channel. Right. Wheezy Simonson had a hand in that. Yes. Uh, a very big hand in it, apparently. Um, so that was an amusing thing to find out about, because that part I did not know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, moving right along. Next up, uh, this this following article is just a preview for Green Lantern number 10. Mm-hmm. Uh 
John Stewart was a Marine and architect, Green Lantern. Now John is the only one who can stop the Lightbringer's plans, but in order to do so, he must choose a new path forward, one that will change his role in the DC Universe forever. Back on Oa, Joe Moline phases the formidable anti-Guardian. So I've been trying to keep up with the latest rendition of Green Lantern, and it's funny that Hal is still being kept in reserve, Okay. And Hal is essentially running around on Earth while on Oa and doing all the other kind of related Green Lantern stuff. You know, John Stewart and some of the um, the more the, some of the newer Green Lanterns are are front and center in the pages of the Green Lantern book. Right. Um, Hal's with the Justice League at this point, right? I yeah, been keeping that's up what with. I thought. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, because I haven't been keeping up with that book since since uh, Bendis took over and left, and Joshua Williams has gone now. That's what I thought, because he's one of the few lanterns that still has a working ring. Right. Right. Based on, yeah, uh, what, I guess, that's also a future state thing um, that they're Mm. still cleaning up, I guess. So, yeah, anyway, I don't know. I I like you, because I know you've been reading it at first, and and you've been... You said I should read this, and I will definitely. Right, just because you're you're a fan of that Joe Moline character yes. and that new Teen Lantern character, so oh, I figured you'd want to catch up on those characters. Yeah, and John Stewart. So yeah, definitely, I definitely will. Uh, next up, though, yeah, and I think that Green Lantern came out this week. By the way, if anybody's interested, Wizards of the Coast announced a new form of secret layer drop for Magic Gathering themed around the star signs. Uh, the latest limited edition sets uh, titled The Astrology Lands aims to take the various regions of Magic the Gathering and present them with an um, ast- astrological reading. Each month, we'll see the release of a new secret layer based on uh, around the corresponding star sign. Will Rydicat get the one that's gl- to, for his sign? Man, I don't know. He's, he's put enough money into that stuff. But we'll see. Uh, let's see. Wizards, of course, have assured fans that if developer sets out any of the uh, the sets before December 23rd, uh, 2022, more copies will be printed to ensure players can still find what they're looking for. So basically, the deal was that there's like these are like small sets around a theme, uh, and they sell them for X, they two different versions, foiled and not foiled, and theirs are playable in Magic the Gathering. And there are theme. There was like a set based on the Dungeons and Dragons uh, animated series. Yes, I did get that one. Um, Mm -hmm. As well as uh, another one that escapes me that I ended up getting and they've been putting us out. And I know fans of Magic Together are like not don't care too much about a lot of this stuff because it feels like a money grab, which pretty much kind of is. But they're apparently still buying them because these are still selling. Take that as you will. Next up. My Hero Academia has been on the video game scene for a few for some time now, having released two pretty successful fighters and a solid mobile game over the past few years. The next My Hero Academia game looks to switch up the formula by bringing the series into the battle royale scene of multiplayer titles. So, um, I gotta open this. I gotta open this article. Okay, eh, you don't have to. <laughs> no, it's just that the the summary we have here doesn't uh, go into the actual game. It talks about the previous games. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think I did that for a reason. So the free to play battle royale game is going to be on consoles, 
and you team up to win a 24-player rumble in multiplayer action. So this is in the uh, the, the Fortnite vein. Or PUBG or or um, uh, uh, Apex Legends, et cetera, et cetera. That's a, that's a few right. games. Um, Knockout City, et cetera. So, yeah, this is the one tied to my hero. Oh, that Pokemon one also, but whatever. All right. So this is going to be on PC, PS4. PS4. It's got PS5, Switch, and Xbox One. No, that sounds right. They're still making PS4 games, so I, I'm, I'm not surprised about that. Plus, it's still kind of hard to find PS5s for a lot of people. That's true. That's so, true. So, no, this is not... So, Although I did get an playable. email from GameStop that they're getting a bunch of PS5s, uh, PS5 pack uh, uh, bundles coming in. Yes. Oh, wait, you trying to get one? No, but I got an email. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because I was about to say, if you're looking for I got, I, I know a guy. Well, yeah, I know a guy there's going to be bundles. There's going to be bundles dropping today at GameStop. So mm-hmm. if you're interested, ride a cat. No, because that's how I got mine a while ago. So There it is. But I do got, I do have one already. So um, Yeah, and those things kind of come and go. So they've been, they listed, they have been kind of uh, putting the market in, but Given the Xbox news of recent late, I don't know how much that's going to matter. Why is that? What uh, news is that? X, well, Xbox bought Activision. I mean, Microsoft bought Activision for a... Oh, yeah, Activision good, Blizzard. Yeah, for a good amount of money. So, which means Call of Duty, um, um, uh, 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 Overwatch, Warcraft, uh, you know, all the... Oh, you think they're going to make them Xbox exclusive? Some people are suggesting they could do that. I don't think that would be to the best interest to do so. And I know a couple of people who would want that to be the case. Like, I don't care about Call of Duty. They could do that with that one all they want to. Some of those other franchises I would have a problem with, especially if it comes down to, like, Diablo or whatnot. But I don't think they're going to do that. It it wouldn't be to their best interest. But they could because they have been doing that with – they also bought Bethesda recently or fairly recently, and they definitely have been doing that with the exception of, like, one game. But that game already had an outside, um, um, a, a prior, prior, um, commitment, basically. So that's when that okay. one kind of got into it. They could, we don't know. We'll see. We don't know. But it was big news. It was big, big news, lately, which is kind of outside the preview here, but I feel like it's, at some point, it's probably going to impact mm-hmm. <laughs> some kind of way. Uh, either way, anyway, uh, speaking of My Hero, um, My Hero Academia fans are spent, smitten by the Invisible Girl's face reveal. Now, you said you've read ahead, and I don't want to go too far into this if you don't know, because this is about the manga, so I don't know if you know about this one. What issue? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it says... Oh, chapter 337. 337. I thought I read this. Let me see. Okay, because I don't want to spend you on something that you 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 haven't gotten to yet. I could have sworn I read this. Okay, but basically there was the, there was a reveal uh, of a character who is who has a similar name as a Fantastic Four member. Oh, oh yeah, it's a slightly distorted look at her. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. apparently some people, um, uh, what you call it, uh filled in what it might look like with the uh, with with some artificial coloring mm-hmm. online i did read this because i know i i i think what what they're up to is 340 or 338 or 339 so i i definitely passed by this so i i think i i don't think i uh i i bumped too hard on 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 this gotcha 
Oh yeah, 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 I did, I did see this. Okay, good, good. Like I said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to spoil anything for you, but uh... no, 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 it is okay. Okay, cool. And apparently, excuse me, I'm reading this other article that came up on the side about Demon Slayer character that we just talked about, but that's neither here nor there, and probably won't go into show notes. Uh, let's see. But yeah, so yeah, it's actually up to three thirty nine. Okay, cool. Um, wow, you. You actually read through all of that? Yeah. I mean, they I go they, quickly because I I've already watched, you know, like I, I breezed through the ones that I, I, uh, that are covered in the anime. Right. But, um, let's say like the most recent 75, it took me a while because they're newer, you know, they're, 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 they're not covered by the manga, uh, the anime that is. Sure. Not yet. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Or seemingly not yet. So okay, but yeah. So that's that. And my hero fans, who if you're caught up, you you know, or caught up with the manga specifically, know what the deal is about that. Um, next up, that's you. Actually, oh, is it? Uh, sorry about that. No, no, sorry. Because uh, I got tied up in making sure that I was up to date with that. I knew I was up to date with that, but right. I just didn't bump on it because it was, you know, because the way it's depicted in the manga, right. you know, it's so faint. So, um, comic book publisher Boom Studios has officially announced Alice Ever After, an upcoming five-part series that puts a new twisted spin on the story of Alice in Wonderland. Set to launch in April, Alice Ever After comes from the creative team of writer-artist Dan Panosian, artist Giorgio Spalletta, uh, and colorist Fabiana Mascolo. Issue number one features main cover art by Panosian, as well as variant cover art by Jenny Frizen and Adam Hughes. This darkly surreal series follows an adult Alice who has essentially become addicted to Wonderland, using it as a way to escape the unfortunate realities of her life. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Last but not least, Dynamite to publish four fifty cent issues, not fifty cent the rapper. Um this April. So uh it says here that uh coming April this uh there's going to be four major key issues getting reprinted at a near unbeatable price according to this article for free comic book day, including the boys, Vampirella and more. Uh, let's see. These four books all celebrate the past, present, and future of Dynamite's 15-plus years. Uh, and ahead of the, the Season 3 debut of um, The Boys on Amazon Prime. And uh, both The Boys number 7 and Herogasm number 1 will be available. Let's see. Uh, Ash Williams' Army of Darkness versus The Reanimator number 1. Uh, Vampire Vampirella Dracula Unholy number one also and I think that's it and it all looks like they're going to be um, priced at 50 cent so cool I don't think they've done anything like that in a good while unfortunately I wish it was for some stuff that I would be interested in G unit and all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and we're done. We are done. Let's get one last ad read in, shall we? Our last ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles, such as their world-famous pop vo- uh, vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including T-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise, such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. 
And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP. 10 for your 10% off discount. Funco through CSPN.us. Do it today. All right, let's blow this pop stand and go home. Uh, thanks, each and every one of you folks, for coming out here tonight to this here show. We appreciate you as always. We'll be back next week. Uh, I, yeah, thanks I, for bearing with us through the technical difficulties. Yeah. The gremlins are always out every once in a while. Indeed. Yeah, again, audio version folks will probably possibly have a little bit of editing uh, to look forward to, um, but the video version will stand as it is. So, I have been Rodicat. Uh, this is... Uh, um, I have been Rodicat. I Rodicat on Twitter, Rodicat on News Nerds, or excuse me, News Nerds Need on Twitter, and uh, CB Caps on Instagram. <laughs> Agent underscore seven on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites therein. Uh, Tim, D O G G 98 on Twitter, the Osiris that is ish. You can also find him at uh, CB Cron, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter. That's V K L I Q N A T I O N. Uh, theclicknation.com, but also, more importantly, you can find Tim over at comicbook.com, right in his face off. You can find this here show on the Coastal of Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us in your podcast approval place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and leave us five-star reviews. Gia. Uh, you can find us recording every Thursday night on Lester's Movie Protocol um, on the um, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. And yeah, definitely... Um, yeah, go go subscribe to the twitch.tv slash combo chronicles. We keep saying we're gonna do some more streaming over there and I and I plan to do that at some point soon, hopefully. Um and hopefully get some of the other guys to do some some streaming on there also, in addition to this show. So folks, all right, that's it. We're out of here. Uh thanks for coming out. We will see you all next week. Uh got another book with Boba Fett, uh probably a little bit more on Peacemaker, and I think that's about it for right now. Um maybe talk a little bit more about Naomi if 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 need be, but I think that's pretty much about it. Uh this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Wakanda forever!